0: Welcome to the Plastic Please Restore Podcast.
1: We are your hosts, Trey the Explainer.
0: And me, Miles Greb.
1: A podcast about the natural world.
0: Things that people claim are part of the natural world.
1: And things that used to be.
0: Okay, and we're back. Oh yeah, we are. Trey and I, you know, we've been a little busy, haven't gotten many episodes out, but we got a really good one for you here. We have an extra special guest. Um, one of the greatest YouTube anthropology guys around. Why don't you introduce yourself, buddy? Better bing better boom. Hey everyone,
2: it's, uh, Stefan Milo here. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan Milo Savlovich here. That's right, the anthropologist with attitude. I don't know about that—the <laughs> <laughs> anthropologist part or the attitude part. But
0: yeah, well, well, you do cover anthro stuff, I guess. You may not have it. You don't. What, what's your background in um, anthropology? Then you don't have a degree, right?
2: I have a degree in archaeology and anthropology. Yeah. Just a
0: archaeology. cheeky bachelor's okay, degree, yeah. I'm, a, I'm no expert. Yeah, well, that, that's, that counts better than I got. Yeah, yeah. So um, so tell us a little bit about your show, all the things that you talk about on. I mean, you know, Trey and I know, but for the listeners.
2: Yeah, I uh, just try my absolute best to create archaeology and uh, anthropology, specifically like biological anthropology, human evolution videos that are grounded in... Science and, uh, you know, a very responsibly sourced and um, transparently sourced. I share all my sources Mm. and I also aim for them to not be rubbish, (laughs) quality
1: animations and maps and, and really try and bring the past to life. That's what I try to do. Got amazing art, like uh, I gotta say, like your your stuff is so it's so fine. Sometimes I want to imitate it, but I can't. (laughs) I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could, (laughs) but
0: um, do you think that there is kind of like an absence of like well-sourced, real science-based, like older human history? Is there kind of like a counter narrative or a trend of people talking about these ancient times, either archaeology or anthropology, where they're not being as um, let's say, um, studious with their information? um well there's definitely there's definitely like two
2: i would say groups of people who are very interested in archaeology and uh, and create youtube videos about it there is the more i would say pseudo archaeological channels mm-hmm. that focus on lost civilizations and atlantis and things like that and there is a lot of uh, people who try to create um you know academically sourced uh videos i feel like there's a lot of high quality history content out there but um in the archaeological space there is less i would say i, I think it's improving hmm. but um there there was a lot of focus on uh, history a lot of great history channels and not a lot of channels i thought that really talked about prehistory with the same sort of focus on quality but i mean this is something I, i've developed over time my first video on my channel i was just walking around a park talking about who george washington slept with when he was a teenager so yeah
1: you know <laughs> your important. ideas and production styles evolve over time but you yeah, know i start out as like a minecraft channel or something like that of course way, you did buddy all the way back <laughs> in 2013
0: Oh, I know you got your Among Us video, so, you know. Oh,
1: that was good. Cash in, cash in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's the one that has so many views,
1: I thought, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like the one, the most recent video that it made that like kind of exploded. It's like, oh my gosh.
0: So do you get a lot (laughs) of like comments of um, followers of like Graham Hancock um, commenting on your stuff saying like, oh, what about this ancient discovery that, you know, might be very controversial that sets the date way back or... You know, oh, there were civilizations way longer in this period than what you're saying is Is that a common thing you run into? Um, it depends on the topic that
2: I'm talking mm-hmm. about. I think followers of uh, lost civilization ideas, Atlantis, basically, are very concerned with Egypt, the near East, the peopling of the Americas. There are these certain mm-hmm. issues that they have very much latched onto. And if I talk about any of those, then for sure I will get a lot of comments. But um, if I talk about Neolithic Italy, there will be absolutely no uh, comments yeah, not about a lost civilization. It's
1: too it's too niche for for weirdos to kind of latch onto it. <laughs> I just think it's like because I,
0: I listened to your interview about uh, Gobelateke, and that was really interesting to, to hear. Like. All that, you know, it's such a fascinating site and there's all this cool stuff we can learn about it. But it's a little bit difficult to research it because of the, you know, competing, let's just say like pseudoscientific hypotheses about it. It it can be hard for an interesting person, a person who's interested in it to find like real information. So like, Mm. I thought that video of yours was, was quite informative.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely planning in this next year to make a video about that time period and that part of the world. And make absolutely no reference to pseudo archaeological claims. That would yeah, be yeah. nice. <laughs> that's that's yeah. like reassuring. Because, because Göbekli Tepe and the sites in the, those region, they really are changing our understanding of human history, and they're such fantastic sites. And but mm-hmm. it's so annoying to talk about probably one of the greatest archaeological discoveries of my lifetime in the negative because people blow it so far out of proportion and it's yeah. like well it's not you know you it's so annoying to talk about these incredible things in a negative
0: do you, do you mind explaining what the site is a little bit to the listeners who may not be familiar with it
2: yeah so gebekli tepe is uh you could call it like a megalithic site basically big rocks huge stones um sort of i suppose you could say a similar idea to stonehenge these people are gathering together, creating these huge T-shaped pillars, which seemingly uh, represent humans because they have hands and it's seemingly like an artistic representation of humans in these huge T-shaped pillars. And uh, the site is absolutely huge. It's spectacular. And what is so uh, interesting about it is the age it's about twelve thousand years old, I think off the top of my mm. head, and that is before what we would call the Neolithic period mm-hmm. where humans had had developed agriculture so um it sort of predates that and and um it's just a a sort of scale of um Construction that in the past we might not have thought hunter gatherer communities were doing. But Mm -hmm. again, there's like a lot of nuance in there because using the term, like for some reason, we have divided the whole economic history of humanity into just two things hunter gatherer and farmer these people were probably like in the transition to farming that these things take thousands of years and many of their aspects of their lifestyle Mm. might've been much more similar to what we would think of as farming.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I always found very spectacular about the site is all the carvings, you know, like there's the big Raven, I don't I guess it's not a Raven buzzard looking bird, whatever's on it. And all these things, it's just so interesting to see the way that like, um, this kind of abstract art was done back then. And like, what do they mean? You know,
2: Yeah, they're seemingly like these T-shaped pillars, which are humans, also have animal symbols alongside them. And one idea is that these animals are maybe representing different uh, groups within this community that was building. Sports mascots. Yeah. Mm. You had the vulture people and the fox people and the boar people. Um, so, I mean, and anyone listening that hasn't seen Gobekli Tepe, uh, Google it right now because
0: it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it it's, it's awesome because it's just like this really romantic and powerful idea of humans in the past coming together be- before we thought they could. And it just keeps showing us like how awesome humans are at solving problems and doing stuff even before we thought they probably could do it. And also like, it just kind of shows that there's still really fantastic things to explore and learn in this world. You know, and it's because um, sometimes on the show, you know, we talk about debunking historical mysteries or saying, oh, this site isn't what people quite thought or this animal people think they're seeing isn't really there. But there is really cool stuff to see. And this site is one of them. So um, looking at it from a scientific point of view and like telling the real truth about it, I think is really awesome. And it's a good example to get that kind of fun and mystery back into archaeology, anthropology. So,
1: Yeah. I'd have to say, I'd have to agree with Miles there, where, like, it's so disappointing and disheartening when, like, you go through, like, pseudo-archaeology stuff and you just debunk it all over and over and over again. It's so nice to, like, get, like, a refreshing thing. (laughs) No, this is, like, an actual cool discovery and, like, it's true. And it's not, like, something somebody made up, (laughs) you know? Yeah, I mean, this is a – I mean, I think we – I think
2: people would always assume that – archaeologists would always assume that – humans at any stage of our development are getting together periodically because otherwise you're just sleeping with your family all the time you have to meet other people uh but Man, just, that's just this is annoying thing. i know yeah but the uh, scale of of the construction at Göbekli Tepe and other neighboring sites like this whole region is really it turns out full of these uh pre-neolithic or like super super early neolithic sites Um, you know they like hundreds of people must have been gathering hundreds upon hundreds of people probably and Mm. like imagining that in prehistory is uh just fantastic like it must have been such a spectacle when they were all together who knows what they were up to like yeah you know
0: because like a lot of times when we talk about these historical events we kind of like give this like solemnness of seriousness to it but it could have just been like like i said a sporting thing kind of tongue in cheek, but like really it could have just been like people bring their best hunts that they got through the year and they compare them and they like, you know, make a game out of it and have fun with it. And it's just a bit of culture. Like, um, there's a lot of stuff like that in history. I think where we always kind of think everything's serious, but a lot of stuff, you know, people did stupid and fun stuff back in the day. Like I think one example I like to use is like one of the first images we know of Jesus is um somebody mentioning a follower of Jesus being like donkey headed if okay. you're following him it's just like a little bit of graffiti.
1: It's you know? a yeah. Yeah,
0: it's just like there's a bunch of just stuff people did in the past because it was fun or stupid, you know, or like the Venus statues are always like, oh, this was um, ceremonial for fertility or God. I'm like, you don't know that. Like, people could just be carving stuff, you know, for whatever stupid reason. It could be a game or funny. It could have been a meme, basically for them.
2: Yeah, they were drinking,
0: they were smoking weed, they were having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same people hanging out. You know, they're hunting all day or gathering all day is tough, right? Like. I mean, it ain't easy to go kill an antelope or whatever you got to kill. You mess around at home, you co- you carve some like curvy women. That's your day. It's fun. Yeah. And then some anthropologists thousands of years ago was like, "This is a very important image. It meant a lot to them." And and some guy named Ugg back in the day was like, "Oh man, look at this. This is hilarious."
2: Oh, I mean, those Venus portraits could have um, could have been self portraits. It could be the women doing it too. Yeah, it Could have been, been the like, women
0: like, doing it. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, have you seen the, the, like, sort of theory that was put forth by, like, some, I think they were anthropologists that, like, the the reason why the figurines have, like, big breasts and, like, wide hips and stuff is, like, it's taken from, like, the first person perspective of, like, a woman, like, looking down at her own body.
0: It's a weird theory. That's interesting, yeah. See, like, I like, I like stuff like that because it makes us kind of have this real human connection, you know? like that's why i kind of like want to take away the seriousness part of it unless there's a good reason to think there's a serious part because people just do stuff for weird reasons and and that's kind of cool so
2: for sure yeah i love all that i love all that
0: yeah yeah. um you mentioned the peopling of americas has the, the long history of like um that being involved in you know competing theories theories that have dropped off or pseudoscience and then you know it's actually a really interesting topic in itself legitimately um mm there's been a couple new scientific findings that we really wanted to talk about regarding this. So um, I thought we would just kind of like lay the, the found work for that. So obviously of course, you know, humans um, probably evolved in sub-Saharan Africa, then came out to Africa and spread through, you know, Asia, India, Europe, and met other sapiens and started, you know, diverse cultures and everything like that. Um, I think, is this right? Like most major civilizations for quite a while would have been like, you know, around the Levant Mesopotamia. Um, and then like you have people that go to Northern Eastern Asia for a time. And, th- you know, we have our, like bits and pieces of languages for that time period or tools they were using. So we can see like some cultures start to develop in Northern Asia. And then, um, we start to eventually see this, um, movement possibly into the americas now the civilizations from asia europe indian india were like not aware of this right we don't exactly know how they moved over there's lots of competing theories we'll talk about but this is like a a pretty momentous event in history because the people like writing things down or telling you know oral histories and the biggest population of the world basically kind of lost track of this group of people living up in um, northern asia who started to migrate down to the americas um how they migrated is not fully known but you know there's a very popular theory yeah you so you have beringia right which is just think of it like the big part between alaska and russia right so there's this thing called the glacier maximum is basically when the glacier is the biggest so there's like a shrinking and um, increasing of the glacier and there's only so many times when people can move through this And so we began to get some geological information that showed us where that was. You are right. There's, you know, at this time period, we're talking,
2: the Americas are connected to Asia because the sea level is lower and Alaska is connected to Siberia. And for a long time, there was this idea called the Clovis first, um, which the Clovis culture existed in America, I want to say, roughly thirteen thousand years ago, maybe? That's Yeah, it's seeming... about the
0: Anzig Child is at twelve forty four, so
2: Yeah. So we're roughly talking thirteen thousand years ago, we see the emergence of this uh, cultural complex in the Americas, and that roughly coincides the geological evidence that there was a gap between the major glaciers in the North American continent. And so there was this idea that humans traveled down this ice-free corridor around 13,000 years ago.
0: Yeah. So anyway, so we have this migration from um, Northern Eastern Asia into what we now call the Americas. And these people were, like I said, mostly lost to the major population groups, um, what we typically call the old world. Um, however, eventually around the 13th century, we start to have camps from these Northern Europeans who, you know, were tracking calories from fish basically, and had strong Naval traditions that seemed to start to move westward. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of like minor findings, um, and some important ones, um, that show that what we typically call Vikings, um, ended up landing in North America.
1: Yeah. So, uh, the, the story I got is this sort of more recent, uh, paper that came out that is, uh, that the Vikings in North America sort of paper. And it, uh, kind of like just sort of confirmed, like put a a definitive date to this, uh, con this, not concept, but finding that discovery that was known has been known for like a while. Um, that like the Vikings or Norse people were in, uh, reached North America uh, around like the nine hundreds to 10 hundreds or, or 1000s AD. Um, and yeah, this paper was pretty cool how it nailed down a very specific date of uh 1021 AD is that there was evidence of North American or sorry, of European presence in North America
0: itself. So that's a uh, few hundred years earlier than we thought, right? Yeah. Yeah. So
1: like for a while, like, um, the best evidence, I think I remember if I remember correctly, um, was this like Maine penny? And it's this very kind of controversial find in 1957, where like this um, European uh, coin was found in a um, Native American uh, burial in in Maine, uh, in the United States. And um, but it was found by like an amateur uh, archaeologist, and like they couldn't really check the provenience that mm. well. So there was speculation that it's kind of evidence that there might have been trade between. Uh, like transatlantic trade between vikings and native americans but like it was kind of debated and controversial if it was planted or not and i think till, still to this day the coin it's a, it's a little unclear but uh evidence like this is a lot more strong and firm where it's there's they found like this specific site called uh oh i'm going to butcher the name leon's meadows in newfoundland
0: sounds right to me i say so
1: lance o meadows Stephen, what okay. do you think
2: i don't think you pronounce that. x oh O. I think it's lance o
1: meadows but yeah lance o meadows thank you thank <laughs> you so much <laughs> i'm bad with pronunciation uh newfoundland and it's uh this site that uh shows a sort of uh norse habitation in uh in north america um but the occupation was very was relatively brief as far as i can tell it was only inhabited for like a generation or two before being abandoned.
0: Yeah, and, and one uh, thing that's really interesting about this is, like, you know, some people say, "Well, the you know, these are the first Europeans into what we call the New World." Sometimes, but like that's the information was basically lost to the New World. You know, there yeah. wasn't a, a large naval or cultural or economic change in Asia, Europe, India, etc. Like, it, it wasn't relayed to scholars or planners or world leaders. So, like, it's it's like a discovery that was lost.
1: Yeah. The, uh, all we had was sort of like uh, Norse sagas that recorded the exploits of these like uh, explorers who sort of traveled out from uh, Greenland, which had Viking colonies on it. Um, and they yeah. found uh, Vinland and, uh, and like encountered, uh, like these people called the skirlings um, which who were likely the Inuit or uh, maybe not. I might have my, uh, they're native Americans, but I don't know which group they would be able sure. to belong to. Um, and yeah, it appears that like at first the interaction between the two peoples was pretty, uh, positive, but then something happened and then things deteriorated and like the Skirlings and, uh, Vikings like fought each other for a while until they, they sort of got up and, and abandoned North America for good because it yes. was, it, it was too dangerous. But, um, they did find that North America was really, um, Really, like, it, they saw North America as, like, this landscape that was, like, rich in resources and stuff. There's, like, this one uh, Viking saga that records, like, this guy dying of wounds. And he sees his, like, uh he sees his intestines spilling out. And he's like, oh, this place is so rich. I can see how much fat's on my intestine when he dies. <laughs> it's, like, That's really a- metal. Viking, but Norse sagas are really amazing. <laughs> well, like, it's a
0: very Viking just, way to compliment a place.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so the, the, this uh, d- discovery, I guess this uh, scientific paper that was published, it was able to, I, I don't know if I can get into the specifics of like the scientific dating methods that they used, mm-hmm. but uh, it essentially uh, narrowed down the date of when like these uh, trees that were cut using European tools um, was cut down or felled in its 1021 A.D., it was a cool day, cool yeah. little discovery. Apparently, and they used a cosmic ray burst event in nine hundred and ninety-three. That's how the Fantastic like Four got their powers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that famous Viking saga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like, um oh, what's that show? that Invincible. There's like the immortal mm-hmm. who got like who's like immortal because like a, a cosmic event happened. Now he's like immortal. He's like a caveman that survived like centuries. That's rad. That's yeah, yeah. So it's a cool little discovery. Yeah.
0: Um and there's also worth noting a a map that is a is not real but it has been posited as real for a long time called um it's like the Vinland map that shows, you know, a mapping of North America supposedly by north uh, like northern European explorers and it's been hotly debated. It's like a popular like thing you might see on ancient aliens or something. Very cool looking map, but it is um it is a fake. If you mm. ever come across that. So
1: it's like a modern forgery, right? They found out yeah. it had a titanium in it or something like that. Which yeah, they they, they have
0: pretty much <laughs> demonstrated it was fake several times. And every few years you'll see a new and it's fake thing, but it's just it's a fake all along. You know, it's fake all the way down. So Yeah. Did you
2: guys um, um mm-hmm? was there on the subject, did you guys see, I think it was last year, the Venetian beads that were found in Alaska? Oh, no. oh Yes, yes, yes i think i have that in a note i put it in the chat it's um yeah so again you know we think of america as being isolated before columbus but in the far northeast and northwest it is extremely close to europe and asia and you know people had intermittent contact uh it just didn't extend far down into the continent but they found these uh, Alaskan um sorry they found these Venetian beads in Alaska that uh presumably were traded all the way through Asia across the Bering Strait and into Alaska during the Middle Ages.
0: So that's mm, pretty wow. cool. That's yeah. amazing. It's really cool. And they're they're really beautiful blue beads if you go look up a picture of them like you could see how they'd be, you know, pretty valuable. And so then, then we should talk about, you know, the, a major historical event, of course, that helped like the old civilizations meet this new world, and that's of course um, Christopher Colombo and Janice and Explorer and traveling to the Americas. Um, that this event has become very politicized in, in America, mostly because America's history of racism and genocide to the the people in the Americas, and kind of a pushback against colonial heroes but it is an important event in history um so what happened was uh, you know Christopher colombo follows uh, Tuscanelli's maps one of the best cartographers at the time and he heads out you know looking for riches and everything for the 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 kings and queens of the time and mm-hmm. he lands off what he thought was his island of uh, Chipango, which is an old name for Japan right he thought he fit like the edge of the east indies and they found this new trade route but of course he met Um, some, uh, the people in in North America and, you know, there was kind of a disastrous contact there, which, you know, is probably, um, subject for another show, all the Mm -hmm. evils that happened. But the point is why this is such an important event in history is because after this, the major population centers in the old world became aware of North America and this made it so all, all the East coast, um, Native groups, which have been pretty isolated, because, like we said, the ones up towards Alaska, more you know, Washington, where I live, um, those groups could have possibly had some more trade and contact back and forth. But the eastern groups would have been more um, isolated and had you know cultures um, more um, independent. So this this transatlantic route really changed um, history and opened up the New World and Old World together and um, as it played out, it had a lot of disastrous impact for, um, the unique cultures in America, but it, you know, historically is a very important event. So
1: it, it's really, uh, fascinating to see how Europeans tried to, uh, contextualize finding like an entire new, like peoples that they had continents that they hadn't even known of before. Um, there was like so many, if you read some of those early writings, there's so many weird, um, stuff. There's like, uh, they believed that the garden of Eden was nearby and like it worked like a, a proximity meter. Like why they, they questioned why like uh the indigenous people of Americas like wore such different clothing as them. Like they wore significantly less clothing, I guess. Um, they believed that like the garden of Eden was close by, which like worked like a proximity meter where like the closer you are, the less clothes you wear. It's like bizarre.
0: It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. There's all kinds of this stuff. And that's, that's one thing I want to say here because it's easy to talk about like how awful Columbus was or how awful a lot of Europeans were to the native Americans. Cause absolutely they were. And, and I no way want to try to downplay that, but it just think about like the fact that there was a massive population of human beings um, with completely different and unique cultures, like many of them, right. There's hundreds of them um, pretty much were lost to the vast population of the world. Right. Like, like about 90% of the human population had no idea these people were here. They had no idea this continent was here. It just wasn't known information. So finding that's like, you know, a once in a civilization event, it's, it's a pretty amazing thing that happened because, you know, most people live in these areas that we can trade. You know, if, if you're um, working in Europe or India, you might not know everything that's going on in China, but you hear some things, right? There's some cultural mobility there, but basically none of it from the Americas. so it's really interesting that there's this lost group and so yeah these you know christian europeans who found this stuff um had to describe it some way like you said some of the popular theories were that it fits into their hebrew mythology so mm-hmm.
2: but I, I can't imagine you know it's because we've all grown up in a world that has been connected it's hard to imagine meeting a people and an entire civilization with which you have no knowledge of before and all our cultures even though you know we still have a lot of differences we're a lot more homogenous now than than we were back then and it must like i don't know there's no other way to say it It must have been blowing their minds like you said and they're trying to contextualize it like understand it both civilizations are trying to understand who these people are and uh it must have been uh, wild really wild
0: yeah that's why i said like we we want to downplay the individual columbus because of his horrific deeds but it's important to remember like the reason why we call it discovering america is because the facts were now being traded and broadcast and educated to the people of you know europe and asia and like it was just mind-blowing for them so like it really was a big deal um and then European, you know, scholars and missionaries, uh, missionaries being basically theological colonialists, um, tried to, you know, kind of get figure out what happened here. And although they didn't have, you know, proper science, the way we would do it, they tried to get their own theory. So one of the ones that gained the most steam was in, steam was in the 16th century. Um, Jose de Acosta, um, he proposed the Asia to America idea, which, you know, tracks pretty well, actually. Mm-hmm. um he was thinking there must have been some kind of lost land bridge right which we now know is is probably the case and although his dates didn't all sync up perfectly he proposed that probably the glaciers rescinded and when they rescinded people walked over so you know pretty good job via Acosta on that one yeah yeah there's pretty much spots on <laughs> <laughs> i
1: mean
2: that's pretty good
0: I'm sure I don't like the guy for a lot of things, being a missionary. But you know, pretty pretty good uh, logic there. Um, however, a really popular idea at the time, one of the most popular, was actually that um, the Native Americans were one of the lost tribes of Israel. Because um, in Hebrew mythology, there's a certain amount of tribes after um, Joseph's whole ordeal, and um, you know, it's always been, well, where's the lost tribe of Israel? And um, a lot of Christian sects, especially the Mormons. Um, had this idea that that's where the Native Americans come from. And a lot of them still believe that, um, including certain people that we've interviewed on the show.
1: Isn't there like a, a sect that doesn't believe that like fully to the T now, like that there were Native Americans pre-existing in the Americas and then the Israelites were just uh, assimilated or something like that?
0: Yeah, I, I believe that. Um, I'll just say, I mean, I believe Jeff Meldrum, the Bigfoot expert, um, his book on this proposes that that is a workable hypothesis, yeah, so I don't know if he argued it he I think he's trying to argue for kind of like a um don't say anything too clearly so it can't be pinned down kind of thing, yeah, yeah, so, but this was a very popular idea among a lot of I think it's like if you kind of think of it as like ancient aliens at the time, right it kind of like fits people's presets and it's kind of fun, um
1: well, and it was used as an explanation for like um a lot of the uh, more like technologically complex things that mm-hmm. occurred in the Americas, like the uh, mounds, the, yeah. the big mounds that littered the North, the East coast of North America. They're like, Oh, the people that like they're, they they must have descended from some type of more te- technologically advanced civilization, which eh, <laughs> like the, no, that's not the case.
0: Well, uh, and also um, when Europeans met this lost group of humans, um, you know, lost to them, of course, um, like this, they were kind of in a post-apocalyptic state. There was a large plague before this, you know? So like Europeans brought in, of course, diseases, um, but there was actually a large dying off before. And so like they kind of met a lot of these um, civilizations when they were on their back leg already. So yeah. there's a lot of that, um, which allowed Europeans to kind of take advantage and exploit these groups, unfortunately. Um, so a lot of this started to change, however. Um in nineteen oh eight when um George McGunkin, who was a, a geology enthusiast, he didn't have a degree, but he was self-taught, something he really liked. And he was also a cowboy, pretty awesome guy, um geologist slash cowboy. Um, he found a fossilized Pleistocene era bison. So Pleistocene era, you know, it's glacial era like 14,000 years ago or or longer, you know, but human interest, it's 14,000 years ago. Um, and it had a spear point in the in the remains. And a very interesting thing about this spear point was, you know, we didn't think people were back there at the time. And that is kind of like where we get this Clovis idea because we had the 16th century idea of the glacial Maximus, you know, moving and people coming in through um, Eastern Asia. Mm -hmm. And then we start getting these Clovis points, which are very distinct spearheads, right. That look like they're made to fight for big game. And, and this all just kind of lines up It lines up perfectly with, with the geological evidence. I don't know. Is there a study of ice? Is that a field that have a name?
1: Uh, I'm assuming there is a type. I don't know what their name is called. All
0: right, so I, I Isologists, I, I was going to say, yeah. 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 And ge- geologists and then the archeological evidence and, and the anthropology evidence, all kinds of lines up to this Clovis first idea. Right. And so like, this is like what my, my, my comic is about this, this time in North America and these people and their culture, which we don't know that much about, but It gave us a really good idea of who were apparently the first Americans, right? The people who came over Beringia. But um, as Stefan was saying, there's a lot of other sites that have kind of disproved this Clovis first hypothesis. And we're learning a lot more about this.
2: For sure. Yeah, there's uh, so the uh, what is the name of the. The first major site to challenge that idea was down in Chile and its name absolutely escapes me now that is I it, have to talk about it.
1: Is it Monte, Monte, Monte Verde?
2: Monte Verde. I think yeah. you got it, Trey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I believe is, um, certainly pre Clovis, maybe it's around 14,800 years old, but again, the chronology of, of the site is debated, but certainly, it's pre Clovis.
0: Yeah, and this and, was found in the nineteen seventies. And so like it, it would be a pre Clovis site if these materials were, were actually um confirmed to be dated at this time period. So
2: Yeah, still it's um it's a controversial site. There's all the early sites in the Americas are quite controversial for reasons uh we can get into in a bit, but but the dating of this site is sound and it is uh pre Clovis. And so this um, you know connection between the ice corridor and the Clovis culture appearing and the the peopling of the Americas no longer really holds up. Um, mm. but that's not to say that there was just one migration of people into the Americas for a start. Um, but now people are thinking more along the lines of a sort of coastal migration like rather than being dependent on a gap in the glaciers people are hugging the coastline sort of making their way around alaska and then and then down into the americas following the coasts and uh, that's basically
0: the the current idea of how yeah, and that might explain why some of our oldest sites are down south right cuz like you might just think okay people from northern asia came over through the land, you know, the land bridge when they could. And they came in a large group and they liked America, thought it was really rad, kill some mammoths, find some new food, really cool. So they started spreading out. But it could just be that a few came over, was pretty rough, got, they got cut off. And then other people came down from boats or maybe people came down from boats first. Then, you know, word got back and then more people started coming over. So we don't really know for sure, but all this evidence is making it seem more complex but also more awesome because it just shows that if really there all these routes had a little bit of success and people found different ways to come down into this new world it just shows how awesome these people were making it work right cuz it's pretty hard to go through a super cold ice place you've never been to and then find enough calories to live while doing so
2: yeah i mean i think i think we'll will almost certainly probably move to a model in archaeology and anthropology where the peopling of the americas was complex involving multiple groups traveling multiple different ways at different times um and but now that for sure the peopling of the americas is older than that clovis occupation how much older is now currently the huge debate and and that's what uh, archaeologists and anthropologists are trying to solve at the
0: minute. 'Cause they have um a couple other sites are like the Paisley Cave in Oregon. They basically found poop, you know, that's pre Clovis. Um yep. so that's down on the coast a bit. And then um the they, Meadowcraft, they literally
1: they literally shit on the Clovis hypothesis. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> <Literally did. laughs> hey hey. And, and, um, shout out to Oregon.
2: Shout out to everyone <laughs> who does poos in Oregon, which is me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and um um sixteen thousand before present, there's um pre Clovis artifacts at the, the Meadowcraft site as well um there's the bluefish caves that some people bring up um now these caves you can see megafauna bones right and there's large carvings on them apparently and these would be 24,000 years before present so this would be way long ago but this is pretty controversial and you know i'm not an expert in it but my looking into it is i would say uh, i don't know you know it it doesn't super convince me because like they're, they're not like distinct carvings they're things that could have been carvings but they they could have possibly been caused by other things so mm.
2: i i would not bet against bluefish caves for sure i i would i yeah. i would bet that okay. that is a 24,000 year
1: old uh, date person well, that's
0: that's pretty awesome if it is you know
1: i remember in uh, my undergrad my uh, professor used bluefish cave as like an example for their theory i don't know if it's their theory but it's it's a theory that they conveyed that um Like, people crossed into America, but then got stuck for, like, a couple thousand years due to, like, glacial cycles or something like that in that area. And so there was, like, sort of a a waiting period.
0: That's not unfathomable. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's called the Beringia standstill hypothesis, I think. And uh, that's why sometimes bluefish caves isn't included on discussions of early occupation of the Americas, because it's considered... A part of what would have been this Beringian land mass. But honestly, to me, that's splitting hairs. Like, if you're that deep in Alaska, you're in America, whether we yeah. call it Beringia or not, is that <laughs> well, splitting it hairs. It could have been like
0: Europeans' discovery of the New World, right? Because you have the um, Northern European discovery well before you know the Genocean discovery, but it kind of gets lost and it didn't have as much of an impact. So the later um, movements could have had more of an impact and they're the ones that like really did it but you could be technical and say it's it's further back if you want to you know
1: does, does anybody still support the the Salutrian hypothesis at all
0: i'm sure somebody does
1: it, it's like that weird one where like europeans crossed over
0: yeah because that was based on um what the Kennewick man yeah
1: yeah it was a little bit based on Kennewick man and then like also like spear point similarities or something
0: yeah cuz I I know that people were arguing that K- Kennewick man was European descent, you know. Um, yeah, cuz it's which so isn't like completely implausible, but I think there was a lot of um um racial reasons people were wanting to argue that, so it became pretty controversial. Yeah, this
2: yeah, I mean th- with Kennewick man one of the problems was the what's the guy who gets like elected to just look at dead bodies in these small rural towns. What's the name of oh, that? Guy? um
1: forensic anthropologist or something? He's like not that a or...
2: forensic anthropologist, though. He's oh. like, he's like, works for the court. Like, uh, mm.
1: I, he was, I remember his name was, was coroner, Shivers.
2: yes. Yeah, coroner. Yeah, the coroner, the first coroner on the scene was said, We've got a like a dead Caucasian guy. Mm hmm. And so people like leap on his just initial surface, like taking a look at the skull for 10 minutes interpretation. (laughs) Yeah, which is pretty irrelevant, really.
1: And it's also applying modern racial categories to something. So a person that's thousands of years old. Yeah. um, Yeah. And those same distinctions won't really work the same way. No, not at all. all.
2: But yeah, the Salutrian. the idea behind that is that the Clovis culture that created these really distinct fluted points that that sort of uh, technological tradition came from this, uh, what we call the Salutrian culture over in Europe. But there's so many flaws with it in the the points don't really look the same they're just made in a similar way and two people can decide to flint rocks in the same there's way there's only
0: so many ways to cut a rock up to stab something like,
2: exactly yeah so yeah. it doesn't really uh add up it's not to answer your question trey it is not widely uh believed by anthropologists
1: and yeah that's why i assumed
0: there's also some linguistic evidence, but I'm not that big of an expert on that, so I can't speak to it so much. But I know that there's some lesser spoken dialects of, um, of northern eastern Asia that have some similarities to certain Native American languages. So that is also a point of evidence people like to reference.
2: Yeah, and it's not
0: supported by genetic evidence at all. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's particular. one of those. Yeah. Um, but one of the new findings that I did want to talk about in depth was these footprints, right? In the White Sands um, National Park in New Mexico. So, what's really interesting about these is these are allegedly supposed to be twenty thousand years ago, right? So, this this is a really good data point, if real, that there were people down, you know, pretty much in, in the south of North America twenty thousand years ago. What these footprints are are um, they're, they're preserved in um, in a pond bed in a lake. And we can see them because there's little aquatic seeds and lake grass that have, have been pushed down, right? So you can see the footprints pretty clearly there. You know, you don't have to be an expert to be able to say that these are human footprints. And we were able to take these seeds and actually carbon-14 date the seeds. And that's mm-hmm. where we get this year of 20,000 years ago. And there's not too many compounding factors that could take that date off on this kind of thing. So it's a pretty good data point that there were people down there twenty thousand years ago, and also one thing I like about it is most of the footsteps were from uh, teenagers and children. So I mean, we don't know for sure, but it kind of just seems like there's a bunch of kids hanging out, playing in the lake. You know, playing. They, they probably didn't know Marco Polo, but they probably had their own version. You know, mm-hmm. doing cannonballs, hanging out. So um, I really like that kind of stuff. We're just kind of people being people preserved in history. Um, also. Uh, at this time, New Mexico during the Pleistocene, it wouldn't have looked like New Mexico now with the yellow filter that you see on breaking bad. Um, <laughs> it, it would have looked um, more like modern Minnesota, you know, more wet. So kind of think of it like then. Um also at this time period. And in, in these tracks, they have some um, footprints of, of mammoth and dire wolves and sloths, which I like to say um, confirms that my book Clovis is real because it has all those things interacting with each other and so it was nice to see that archaeological evidence proved that my fiction story was real after all so that's awesome man yeah (laughs) Yeah. so um that's our little um rundown of um some of the peopling of america's like i said um it after people people getting here is really awesome but things that people did while they were here are really awesome too and they should probably get their own section on the show sometime um, because a lot of times Europeans can be overly concerned with how people got to America, which I do think is fascinating for the grand story of humans, right? Cause we all probably came together out of Africa. Then there's this other continent that you can't easily walk to. And we kind of like lost millions of people from the major group of humans that communicated with each other. So I do think that is a really great story, but it's also awesome to think about all the um, you know the stories and art and conquests and battles and discoveries that the people made in North America. So that should be oh, a yeah. subject of fascination and interest to people as well,
2: for sure. What's interesting about this uh, new site, the White Sands and Paisley Caves and uh, Whitefish uh, Meadowcroft, all of these very early sites, is that there's not really any tools that that archaeologists have found, um, arguably, like chiquihite cave in Mexico has s- stone tools, arguably very controversial. Um, but it is it is very interesting, because when you look at the early occupation of Europe and Asia, we're, you know, we're dividing the time and, and the cultures by the tools they produced, like Aurignacian tools, Solutrean tools, uh, the initial upper Paleolithic, we have like a type uh, what's it called? Like the type cast of the tool. And we can, you know, create this sort of culture around the fact that these people were producing similar tools at, at roughly the same time period. But all the earliest sites in the Americas are things like footprints, poo, mm. uh, scratches on a bone. And we don't have the seemingly the same evidence that we have in europe and asia and africa um so this is why it has been so controversial and so highly debated um the the find at white sands the they made every effort to date these footprints accurately so this date is probably not going to get adjusted dramatically it is likely to be pretty much accurate but it, but it begs the question you know where are these tools how are these people living um it's uh it's very unique and and, yeah, it, it's, and definitely it's a genuine mystery uh, yeah
0: it could be possibly just cuz the um the game was easier to hunt and so readily available so there's just so many calories from meat and fish that it just kind of created a unique society is one hypothesis i've heard but i don't know for sure I don't know. I mean, even
2: if uh, the game is really easy to catch, it still helps to stab it. Like, yeah, maybe You still just need like, like, the a knife in the to head. butcher it.
0: The deer didn't know what a human was. they just go over and smack it on the head.
2: Yeah, I know, but what? Are they not going to then cut it up? You still need like knives. and It's 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 interesting. I This is just a personal speculation sure. from a non-expert. So take this idea and shove it right in the bin. But... Um, <laughs> I do wonder because uh, early Americans, you know, crossed over from Siberia. Maybe they were used to living in a in a much more open landscape and weren't reliant on shelter in caves. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the finds in Europe, they're all coming from caves. Realistically, and so maybe well, okay, however so were however they were living. Like
0: a, um- a presumptive cultural difference. So Europeans are, are used to, because of their topography, living in a more, like, sedentary environment, where you think that people possibly from Northern Asia, you know, had, lo- like, you know, wide taigas and, and valleys, and so they didn't have that, you know, stay-in-one-place kind of um, culture. So when they moved over to the Americas, they kind of carried that with them. That's
2: my own personal speculation. Sure. Because, you know, why in Paisley Caves are we finding the poo? But they're not living there, you know? Where's, like, the hearth? Yeah. Where's the tools? They just stopped, took a dump, and carried well, on yeah. their way.
0: <laughs> well, don't, shit, don't shit where you eat, you know? I mean, they knew that. We know that. It's... <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so however, you know, if
2: people were here 20-plus thousand years ago, however they were living has not left the same archaeological traces as the old world. So it is very challenging to untangle this
0: this story
1: yeah that's very odd i never thought of it that way
0: i just think of like how awesome that dude or lady that was like at the edge of asia there and saw this like icy cold narrow almost fantasy looking like challenge right like obviously there's like a dark lord that lives on the other side of that it's like like it's it's surrounded by water and 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 like ice all the way through and he's like i'm going through that you oh know?
1: My- miles you would love um have you ever seen um monsters we met it's no it's like this it's this documentary made by um uh, discovery channel or something oh like no
0: that. i have seen that because there's a short face bear in it
1: yeah 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 and it's chasing yeah.
0: after the guy and it shows yeah.
1: like the first the first americans entering the the continent and it's like yeah, yeah. untouched and stuff it's, it's but cool just just
0: think how cool that is right like they don't know like like these people were so brave to to walk across this ice. I mean, we don't know how icy it was or not, but it was probably pretty cold. It wasn't too fun.
2: They didn't I know think, what they. I, I genuinely think it was just another day in the office. Like I don't. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely think like
0: like that's probably my storyteller brain coming yeah, in and yeah. wanted to make it cooler. Like <laughs> these people
2: were already living in the Arctic. Like they were very comfortable in the cold mm. and so just, just going down like, the road. Yeah, Yeah, just little by little, you know, they were probably just following the food. It's like, I don't think they consciously were like, you know what, today's, I mean, maybe on a small scale, like, you know, say you're living on, so you can see like an island, like what's it, the Aleutian Islands, that chain down from Alaska, Mm -hmm. these would presumably have been like mountains when the sea level was lower and you could just walk to them. So, maybe they had, like, you know what? I am going to cross that mountain today. Let's cross that mountain. But I don't think, I certainly, you know, it's hard to. I they just, they're so know. used to living in the wilderness. You know, they're so good at it.
0: I get the let's just keep on going because there's good fish down there thing, right? That's completely, that makes sense. But I think humans recognize mountains as a something, right? I mean, a lot of, a lot of gods started as mountains, like, the the Christian God probably started as a volcano back in the day, um, like people see mountains and it means something to them. I, I it's just it's a poetic thing because it's like this thing in your way, like there's That's not fair, a valley yeah. there. There your friends can't be seen. You can't just go over there. There's like nature itself is telling you no. This is a gate. It's an obstacle. And I think that you know I live in a world that has massive amounts of culture from all over the world and history in my brain so maybe i'm thinking it because of that but it seems to me that humans like know what a mountain is to them it like means something to them and and if you can get across that and be a badass you know gonna do it
2: that's true yeah that's true
0: but you know i could be totally wrong yeah um so yeah that's our long talk about that so now let's get to something much more important and what would that be trey Monster Monster (laughs) quest. Can we get a monster quest from you, Stefan?
2: Monster quest. Head start.
1: (laughs)
0: Witnesses around the world
1: report seeing monsters. Are they real or imaginary? Science searches for answers on Monster Quest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, yeah. Trey. Yeah. 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 What's up? Mm
0: We are going in search of something this time, um, right. and they like breakfasts and a pipe and a walking stick.
1: They live in a little hole,
0: a little hole in the ground, not not a, dish, <laughs> a dirty hole.
1: Wait, are are we allowed to legally allowed to say say what I'm, we were about to say? Yeah, okay,
0: because okay. we don't follow the law. Because <laughs> I put copyrighted stuff in this podcast all the time, and nobody cares. So, saying <laughs> YouTube, baby, it's podcast world. In fact, I'm gonna play da dum da dum da Oh my god.
1: <laughs>
2: Demonetized.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's where it happens.
0: Okay. But anyways, in yeah. this monster quest, we're on the search of a tiny little creature that um is maybe a hobbit. Maybe it's kind of an orangutan, maybe it's I like how orangutan. you just said
1: maybe a hobbit.
0: <laughs> yeah, what is it, Trey?
1: It's so it's Orang Hendek. Oh.
0: And what's so- that guy?
1: little creature uh it it literally means i'm taking this from monster clips short man Mm -hmm. um and it's this this little creature uh in uh in indonesia Mm -hmm. uh, the islands there it's this it's kind of like a miniature bigfoot snack sized bigfoot uh, yeah
0: say they're like like golden in color and like three foot tall Yep. They walk upright. They're quoted as having a um, disturbingly human face, whatever (laughs) that means. Half man, half ape. (laughs) Yeah, half man, half ape. (laughs) So have you heard of the Orang Pendak before, Stefan?
2: I had had vaguely heard of it, yeah, when uh, reading about uh, a real life hobbit, which we'll probably talk about later. I had vaguely heard that people in that same area had uh, tales of small people living in the forest. But I
0: didn't know the name. Now, of of course... um, Of course, there are real life hobbits, um, regardless of what um, anthropologists might say, because um, the there and back again, which was turned into what um, modern Europeans know as the hobbit, was the passed down accords of the Red Book, which was started by Bilbo and finished by Frodo and passed down through history. But some people don't acknowledge that history is true, unfortunately.
1: So, so wait a second. Miles. I remember seeing something about mm-hmm. this when you talked on, on Twitter. I was like, what is, is the Hobbit unit? The Lord of the Rings universe is supposed to be earth. Is that, is yeah, that right? it's from
0: the red book. Oh um, these God. are tales of, um, so we're in the fourth age. Okay. So yeah. Um, the events of the Hobbit and Lord of the Ring take place in the third age of middle earth. We well, are past middle earth now, right? That was the, because the beginning, there was no sun and moon. There was the two trees that lit the world, and it was kind of round. Um, and then that the trees became the sun and moon in the second age. In the third age, things started to resemble like the modern way that um, physicists are starting to understand the world. And then the fourth age, it's how physicists understand the world now. But this all really happened in the past in Britain and is the origin of Britain, as we've learned from the Red Book. Um, small note here. Uh, I believe we're actually in a later age than the fourth age. I totally forgot about this letter uh, Tolkien had written that he said that the ages would probably exist about 6,000 or less years and ages themselves would detract in length over time. So 2021 might actually be the sixth age. Um, what happened in these, you know, fourth and fifth ages we would call modern history, but he wrote in uh, 1958, this extended version of the modern ages but uh, otherwise what i said is mostly correct um you can find more information on the the red book of western march in some of his letters if you want it's also um mentioned in the adventures of tom bombadil um the books in order that would be in the red book of western march would be bilbo's journey the hobbit frodo's journey known as the lord of the rings detailing the events of the war of the ring and then there'd be a hobbit poetry and legends and Bilbo's translation of the Samarillian.
1: By the way, that's, that's amazing. Did, you, did you want to hear what I thought Middle Earth was as a kid? Sure. Um, there was like this book at uh, the Scholastic Book Fair. Did you ever mm-hmm. have that as a kid? Uh, do like...
0: I remember the Scholastic? I'm a 90s kid, bro. I <laughs> all right, all right. in America. <laughs> I don't know how... <laughs> if you're a boomer. I got, the, I got the Guinness Book of World Records. I bought Goosebumps. I, that got was, I, was great. <laughs> I got Great. I got Star a- Wars books with pictures in them and stickers in them. Heck yeah, dude! Spend all my money on that stuff.
1: At mine, what I spent all my money on was this um, this book of monsters. It's like weird and wild creatures. Yeah, yeah. You ever know what those were? They had like yeah. uh, these little crazy illustrations of fictional creatures and monsters from like myth and, and books and stuff. And I remember one they had uh, orcs in it mm-hmm. uh, from uh, from Tolkien. And Mm -hmm. I, for some reason, I thought middle by middle earth, they meant like center of the earth, like, oh, heck yeah. Lord of the Rings (laughs) took place within Jules Verne, which uh, I was shocked to learn that's not the case.
0: See, my father (laughs) now I'm, I'm of course talking as if Tolkien's universe is true about all the red book stuff, you know, I don't, but, um.
1: You're like a creationist for
0: (laughs) (laughs) the funnest kind of creationist.
1: Give give it another thousand years and that'll be the case.
0: Well, I mean, QAnon's already starting a new religion right in front of our eyes. Oh my God. That's an, I don't want to get into that, but if you ever want to see how religions form, here you go. Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, what was I saying? Oh, Um, so I remember Um, my father actually told me that the Lord of the Rings was the ancient history of the earth. Right. When I was younger. Oh my God. and i believed that and i brought it up in second grade when they were like showing us social studies for the first time and a map and everything they're like oh this is there and this is there and i was like oh um when where was the shire was it like in ireland and my teacher was <laughs> like get out of here and he sent me out of class i had to talk to the principal mr green who was very christian he thought i was in some kind of cult it was, <laughs> it was, it was a terrible day
2: well i, but, I thought something similar uh being from britain um i thought middle earth was just the midlands like the region of england called the midlands yeah. oh yeah. my god
0: <laughs> but I, awesome. I
2: feel like it is based on that did he yeah. i thought he lived in yeah. like my area of england
0: well tolkien was trying to create a creation uh a secular creation mythology for um britain um it kind of became more catholicized later um, I kind of have some controversial opinions on Tolkien's Catholicism that I'm not going to share. Maybe I'll talk about that later. But yeah, <laughs> it is a um, it is basically a creation mythology for Britain because you know, um, like the Aetherian le- legends are a Welsh story told by the French about Britons, and so they don't really kind of have their own unified creation mythology, and that's kind of what he wanted to do. So, mm. hobbits. Yeah. He yeah. grew up in it
2: Birmingham, it seems, which yeah, is. Yeah biggest city in the midlands that's why i thought that but
0: he also lived out in the country for quite a while um anyway enough yeah, about yeah, yeah. the greatest writer <laughs> in history
1: oring pendek
0: yeah, oring pendek so basically we're talking about hobbits and lord of the rings so much because um there is this creature um um this three foot tall golden half a path man that is sometimes referred to as a hobbit I guess, even though I don't think this was um very common in cryptozoology until the Lord of the Rings films came out.
1: This this is I think they called it the Hobbit just after the the movies and the uh the Flores man discovery.
0: Yeah. So,
1: um, there's a really Jesus... kind of, cr- there's a really kind of cringy part of the episode. If you caught this miles where they go, mm-hmm. the real Hobbit after the tiny creatures from the movie, Lord of the Rings.
0: Oh, I got very mad. I paused it and I wrote down that quote <laughs> and I said, the movie, Lord of the Rings, huh? <laughs> greatest selling book in human history. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, I like the films, but like they're books. The films are an adaptation. Get a writer, pay the price. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so, so this is like a mini Bigfoot, right? Basically yes. it's, it, it's a possibly relict ape, um, or maybe it's a relict, um, I guess they're, they're saying it's a hominid though, right? Or
1: yeah, yeah they're, they're, they imply that it is a late surviving Homo floresiensis.
0: Yeah. So why don't you, want you to tell me about, uh, Homo floriensis what, what is this finding? What do we learn about it? Um, could they possibly still be around? Uh, yeah
1: what are you two I don't care I think, I think you got it Stefan
2: yeah so just south of where Orang Pendek is reportedly found yeah, Orang Pendek lives allegedly on the island of Sumatra and mm. just below that is the island of Flores Indonesia is like literally just a country made up of thousands of islands and on the island of Flores it seems back in Prehistory, way back, I like. I think we're talking roughly eighty thousand years ago. Here, there was a, mm-hmm. you could say maybe dwarf or pygmy hominin that was living on the the island of Flores, mm-hmm. and it is genuinely like a really unique and and special archaeological discovery, and and yeah, the TV show definitely leans into the fact that this is a, a late surviving. Uh, population of Homo floresiensis, as we call them, as as they have been called. You asked if it is possible. Me personally,
0: it is. I am super <laughs> skeptical. Well, we'll hold that in suspense. We'll wait till the end. <laughs> okay, okay. Do, do we
1: do, do we know that they uh, existed beyond the island of Flores? Uh,
2: they may have also existed on uh, the island of Sulawesi a neighboring island um but i i don't know i don't know if sumatra was even an island in the time periods we're talking about that's a really good
0: point yeah i didn't even think about that
2: so i think that for sure they lived on flores they might have some similar group may have lived on sulawesi um but we don't have any evidence of them outside of those two areas
1: Hmm. What are they um, descended from? Are they Homo erectus or Homo habilis or something like that?
2: Homo erectus is the most likely candidate because we know they lived in that region for, like, let's say Homo floresiensis lived 80,000 years ago. Homo erectus had lived in that region for well over a million years by that point. Right. So they are an extremely likely candidate. And their teeth of Homo floresiensis have a lot of similarities with the teeth of Homo erectus. But some argue that the structure of their feet would suggest that they are similar to extremely early Homo erectus, like the chaps who are up in in Georgia, or mm-hmm. maybe even like Australopithecines. Oh, wow. So their exact position in our human evolutionary tree is not known, but Considering how long Homo erectus was in that area, they are the prime candidate.
1: Yeah, and because and we're we're all descended from Homo erectus, right?
2: Yeah, almost certainly we are descended from them in, in some way. Some population of roughly Homo erectus style hominin is, is our ancestor in some capacity for
0: sure. It's mm. crazy that they're around for a million years and we don't know that much about them. It's like such an important part of our collective history, you know, and like just lost
2: yeah we i mean we know quite a bit about homo erectus not as much as later
0: species like neanderthals but well, I mean, um, what, what were they up to you know like I, we know about like what their body looked like and what they probably ate but i, I just want to see them that's what i'm saying <laughs> yeah you know? yeah
2: like they're, <laughs> they're <laughs> are, oh, like
0: did they, did they like to explore do they like do things as 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 groups and in ways that we would notice as interesting you know like it like, I know we know some, like, facts about them and everything, obviously. Um, but, I mean, like, I just I just want to see them, hang out with them.
1: Well, an interesting idea is that, like, Homo erectus, they were around for such an immensely long time, like, relative to us. Like, there must have been, like, really crazy um, d- diversity between them. Um, yeah. Like, for sure. uh, yeah. Um, that, like, would be unrivaled to what we have. It's crazy. There's, I mean, they
0: probably uh, fought wars against each other and stuff, right?
1: Maybe. Maybe. I don't know well, I mean, I mean, apes,
0: I mean chimpanzees fight wars against each other. If we can call those wars then yeah for sure they fought
2: wars against each other, yeah, for sure. But I mean uh,
0: well if you if you send 12 of your boys out to go take out 12 of their boys, you know, I mean that's you know, that's a skirmish, that's a war.
2: That's just a Friday night in England. <laughs> that's just how we <laughs> do it <right> around. <laughs> no, there's interesting um Homo erectus fossil from Georgia in that this uh person was so old that they had lost their teeth like mm. when you lose your teeth something happens to your skull like the bone starts to infill or something but mm-hmm. but basically they can tell that this person was so old they had lost their teeth so so he's a wizard yeah they so yeah probably awesome. this is gandalf from the third age yeah, but
0: probably a wizard <laughs> confirmed
2: but if it wasn't um, gandalf uh, it, it at least shows that they're like human enough that they're taking care of each other you know
0: they're, yeah so I, I didn't cool. want to imply some like lost civilization with um apes armed with like weapons or anything you know when i mentioned the war thing i want to make that clear i'm just saying that you know there 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 would have been some form of culture you think developed over millions of years between something with a opposable thumbs and a a, a, you know a pretty decent sized brain so mm.
2: i would i think we would be amazed at what they're up to if we could uh, yeah wind the clock back i think it we would be shocked at how advanced they were personally
0: so i'm saying i want to see them um but anyway so on onto this um possible creature this Orin pendek in um indonesia so one of the kind of like originating examples is this um quote from a dutch colonialist uh, Mr. Van uh, Her Her Warden uh, in 1923, and he wrote in his journal. I'm going to use an old-timey 1920s American voice for this Dutch colonialist, as is appropriate. <laughs> I discovered a dark and hairy creature on a branch. <laughs> the oh, right. was also hairy on the front of his body. The color there was a little lighter than on his back. The very dark hair on his head fell up below the shoulder blades, or even almost to his waist. Had it had been standing, its arms would have been, oh, about to its knees. They were they were there for long. <laughs> <laughs> but so as they were knees? long, they also seemed somewhat short. I did not see its feet, but I did see its toes, which were shaped in a very normal manner. There was nothing repulsive <laughs> or ugly about its face, nor was it at all ape-like. So... That's um, something that cryptozoologists point to as one of the original sightings of this supposed cryptid or animal or possible hominid ancestor.
1: I've also heard people online use uh, Marco Polo's account uh, where he describes, Um, like, uh, I'll read it, uh, I tell you, they're quite truly, uh, I tell you quite truly that there are men who have tails more than a palm in size on Sumatra. So there's that too.
0: Yeah, uh don't trust Marco Polo. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I was going to bring up later is like I'll, I'll, like we'll in, like get the to, same we'll get, to that. We'll get yeah. to that yeah. Um
0: so yeah, th- th- this is what we're looking for though. We're, we're looking for a little bigfoot, maybe relic hominid ancestor, um uh, maybe a British folktale creature created by Tolkien. Um <laughs> maybe some other kind of weird ape thing, we don't know. Um but who's been looking for this tray and how they've been looking for it?
1: All right. For w- one of the first people we interview is this this lady called uh, Debbie Martyr. Um, and and she's actually pretty well known. I looked her up afterwards. Um, she's a conservationist. Um, she's known as Indonesia's Catwoman. So there, there's a uh, there's that.
0: That sounds pretty rad.
1: I know it sounds it sounds amazing, right there. That sounds like a movie you'd find in like a VHS bin.
0: Yeah, because there's uh, like but- the the Turkish Star Wars. Turkish, yeah, it's like Turkish Star Wars.
2: (laughs) I'm definitely, as soon as this episode's over, going to look up Turkish Star Wars, but carry on. Oh, it's uh a...
0: it's, it's sure something to watch
1: Isn't um, it like, you know just like random clips of the real star wars just put on in like the background at points
0: okay so it, it's some very creative entrepreneurial turkish dudes out fighting in the desert with weird costumes and bad weapons and then they cut to actual scenes of star wars and they like cut away <laughs> and do that stuff it's um i definitely recommend watching it you should get like a like a 20 dollar pizza not too much and like some sodas and watch it with your friends that that's a appropriate evening so <laughs> oh my god
1: that's yeah. uh yeah this lady this lady uh indonesia's cat woman um i picture her like in like a uh, little mask running around the whip looking for like carol fucking baskin a carol baskins yeah. <laughs> so she came she origin she was like a journalist originally and a, and came to sumatra in search of orion pindek for so i guess the story or something like that um in the 1990s and she said she saw she saw an orang pendick once, and it was an upright little man with tawny gold colored fur. And she said he was very pretty. He was a pretty little oh, guy, good yeah. like you, little dude. Uh, but she's moved on since then, and she's protecting um, the rare Sumatran
0: tigers. So that's that's huh? pretty cool. Oh, well, that's yeah. good. So uh, she got a picture of this guy then, right? No,
1: no, no, no. no. She had a oh. camera, but she uh, just about, she about to say, say that. Then. <laughs> <laughs> she she just she forgot, I guess, to take a picture. Man. Ain't
0: that just the way?
2: Ain't that just the way?
1: Uh oh, so there's that. Uh okay.
0: and who, then uh who else is looking for this little dude?
1: Um there's a there's another very weird story. This is this is what Monster Quest does when I think they don't have enough stories. Mm-hmm. Um is like they'll bring in there's like there's Larry Wilson. Oh yeah. Helicopter pilot in Vietnam.
0: He's in Nam, he was in the shit.
1: So you were in Vietnam, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Were you in the shit? Yeah, I was in the shit. He was flying his helicopter and he was flying over stuff. He saw a tree that had been just eva- like destroyed by DDT and uh, saw a little ape man on the on the tree, at the top of the tree and almost gunned him down his, <laughs> his, his <laughs> helicopter. And uh, yeah, he was just sitting there. And I guess he, he walked
0: away. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that story is a little weird, right? They like they show like the chopper and then he's like coming up on this tree and it's apparently, uh um the you know, defoliaged and everything because of, you know, Agent Orange or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this little dude hanging out up there and he's like, yep, saw a weird guy and left. That's the end of my story.
1: I, I like the idea that he he almost gunned down the Orang Pendick thinking it was enemy or something like that. Ba- he said no, he, said, he says bad guy. That's he right. A bad I, re- guy. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a bad guy. Uh, yeah.
0: About, f- about frag <laughs> That's cryptid.
1: That's an amazing idea to me that like he just would have gunned this thing down in his big helicopter. Uh, yeah. But that's a little far from.
0: Who's a our main far man from- searching, though, Trey?
1: Oh, the main man. There's two two main guys that we got here. We got Adam Davies, mm-hmm. who's a... Uh, is that the the British guy? Yeah, the British guy who's been looking for Andy Pindek, and uh, he's had a lot of encounters with it. He's had, like, I think at least half a dozen. Um, and oh so gosh. he's got a lot of pictures then. He's got no pictures. Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah. <Hey>, what's up <laughs> with that? That's you gotta, strange.
1: Like, you got to, like, catch... At a certain point, like, it's it's not that, like it's elusive it's that like you're just really bad at catching pictures of it
0: (laughs) it's not that i didn't see bigfoot i'm just bad at things okay i can't (laughs) do it modern cameras can only take (laughs) it yeah
1: yeah yeah. first time i think you could understand like maybe just you're the shock of it overwhelms you but like third or fifth or
0: twelfth well, you could, um if you saw him like messing about and pulling down some branches, you just run over where he was and get some hair though, right? Uh, I don't know if we do that. <laughs> okay. okay. Anyways,
1: the second guy, speaking of photographers, second guy is uh, Jeremy Holden, who's a oh, wildlife yeah. photographer.
0: He's like uh, the main character of this episode.
1: Yeah, they talk to him because he's got this great accent and he explains things very well. Um. Yes, and he's here to take pictures of the Oring deck with his fancy and camera.
0: He apparently has a history of photographing um hard to photograph or, or rare finded animals. So yeah. that's good. So he knows what he's doing. He's an expert. Like He's going to yeah. for sure take a picture of this thing.
1: Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. The, episode, yeah. the episode's title, if I'm correct, it's, it's titled real Hobbit revealed on camera.
0: Yeah. On, uh, so, YouTube. I mean, we're <laughs> absolutely going to get a photo of it because n- n- number one, you know it's gonna be Bilbo Baggins himself um and it's gonna be a great four k photo the first four k photo ever the greatest cryptid photo of all time, so it's gonna be really awesome
1: we'll we'll see miles
0: yeah okay, <laughs> and so what do they do to search for this thing then
1: uh so like they go the monster quest team goes to Sumatra and hikes up into a volcano um uh, which is really cool, it's got water and it, it's got a lake in it uh and uh yeah, they just kind of so they set up uh, some trail cams. Mm-hmm. Always our
0: trail cams, man.
1: And they use the the infamous infamous primate pheromone chips that they've yep. used in in ten other episodes. Yeah. From- so,
0: so Stefan, if um you, you haven't been following Monster Quest as um acutely as we have, um there's a gentleman who makes these pheromone chips out of um ape vaginal yeast. I
2: wondered what I, I mean, I saw the chips, and the the guy is like retching at the smell
1: of them.
0: <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what they are—ape and human. Uh, oh yeah, Ape you gotta mix human. mix it up, you know. Well, you know, double apes, different kind of apes. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's—I'm um, not going to say it again, but it's a, that thing, and they put them out in the woods because you know,
1: of course, they love the smell of it.
0: Spread the dankness around.
1: <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so look much look to, for, to say uh... about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you think whole... that's an
1: effective strategy? Can the horny juice? Well,
2: I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know how I could possibly comment on that and come off in a good way. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <that's true. laughs>
1: I would imagine. That's how we've had
0: to deal with this topic every time it's been brought up. We're like, uh <laughs>
1: They bring it up so damn much. It's yeah. like literally every time they look for an ape creature, they whip out those chips. And it hasn't worked once.
2: <laughs> no, I was unaware that uh, apes found each other through scent. I thought we used our eyes like we had invested our <laughs> evolutionary credits into eyesight. Uh, yeah. I, well, I didn't realize okay. chimpanzees and, and orangutans could sniff each other out like that.
0: I guess you were wrong. Now you learned something from Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys got 30 seconds.
1: Blow my mind. Okay, oh, okay, oh, okay, oh, okay, oh, okay, 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 okay. All right, okay, guys, okay. guys, guys. It's a prequel
0: to The Sixth Sense. The fifth sense, The Sense of Smell. Imagine a super-ripped, super-smart scientist in a mesh tank top named
1: Dr. Dolph
0: Lundgren.
1: No, that's that's <laughs> not his name. He's played by Dolph Lundgren, but that's not the character's name. No, it could name, be dude. the character's name. No, that's. A doctor played by Dolph Lundgren named Dolph Lundgren? Yeah! That's confusing. Dude. No! That's more confusing than making up an entirely new name for a person? That's gonna confuse people. I'm taking over. I'm taking over. You are losing me. Okay, okay. Imagine a super smart, ripped scientist played. By Dolph Lundgren, who, after a terrible accident in his lab, blows off his nose. After reconstructive surgery, he soon realizes that he smells something that stinks. Crime.
0: This doctor smells crime. Possibly also runs around like a hound. (laughs) So they basically use the My First Bigfoot finder kit, right? They got the plaster molds. They got mm-hmm. the VAG chips. They got the the, the trail cams with the compact flashcards, and they,
1: they got the indigenous guides that claim to they seen. In,
0: indigenous guides. It. And they got the white dudes in the woods, right? That's yes. That's how you look for Bigfoot. That's the way to look for Bigfoot. Um, I also want to give props out to the indigenous guide. They have their. Just making a paycheck, working hard. Um, <laughs>
1: well, that's the thing is, um, I, I remember I reviewed or a long time ago, I had to watch the uh, uh, Mokilium Bembe episode.
0: Which is uh, a dinosaur in the Congo.
1: Yeah. We'll, and we'll get to that in the future. But like you see the local people that have just like been milking these gullible people. Just, oh, just more power meaning. to them, man. It's great. No, it's great. And like, <laughs> and, like they're like, oh, yeah, 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 I saw that thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, and every footprint in the ground, like, oh yeah, dude, give me a hundred dollars. I'll tell you what <laughs> whatever you want it to be. So yeah, so so they go to this really cool volcano, which is cool enough on its own. We don't need a cryptid, you know. Oh,
1: it's beautiful volcano.
0: Yeah, wonderful. And and around the jungle, they get rained in a lot though. Hmm. They're they're trying to they go on the journey. It's super rainy, and they're all complaining about it. But it's okay because it clears up, and then uh they find a footprint. Yeah, a footprint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they they find a markation in the loose soil cuz this is a rainforest right basically hmm. and um they find like a uh, a branch that's broken down which they allege means this is what orang pendek does he likes to break these branches and it, then it eat. wiped
1: out i'm just picturing it wiping out eating shit falling yeah. down this thing.
0: <laughs> and like they eat the little white bit, white bits in these branches and so the dude like eats some um <laughs> To prove that he's badass, like Oren Pendak. and sure. then like, yeah, <laughs> and then they like check the little footprint, and they're like, "Oh, heck yeah, this is uh definitely it." We are just super happy we found this, so we're gonna take a plaster mold of it or whatever, and then we get some words from our guy, the main man, Jeff Meldrum. That's right, Jeff. Yeah, we see our buddy Jeff. There's also buddy. <laughs> yeah, well, I like Jeff. I like him. I like Jeff, nice. too. He, he talked to us for great. three hours.
1: He was great yeah. in this. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it was good to see Jeff, and uh you know, he's he's talking about footprints and how he's the master of all footprints, hmm. and he's excited to check them out. Um, and yeah, basically, we lay our photo traps, and then uh oh, we found one more thing on our search. Do you remember what it was? I don't. I don't even know. What, what was it? Found some bones. Oh, but
1: like of like a deer or something like that. Right? Yeah, it you was know, a pig. boar yeah. or whatever, a pig. Yeah. 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 yeah,
0: so not the bones we're looking for, but <laughs> we did find some bones. And what's funny though is they always they, they use it as an example of why they wouldn't find bones if they're cryptid, because like, oh, look at the bones, they get molded in them and they die. But I'm like, yeah, but you did find bones though. That's, my, <laughs> that's what we're saying, man. Like.
1: like I- in the rainforest, it's more legitimate than in other areas.
0: Well, yeah, but but still, see, this is the, yeah, yeah, the, the, the best point. test case for their argument is you would not find bones because the rainforest is an anti-bone establishment, right? right? Like rainforest hates bones, so you never find them. And they're like, look at these bones in the rainforest. See, they're going. <laughs> I'm like, but, but my man, like you did find bones, though, you see. So like it is true that the rainforest will munch on some bones and get rid of them. But you do find them of things we know exist, so they don't disappear like,
2: in thirty minutes.
0: Yeah, you know, like if it's thirty days, I'm just saying. Then, like, what's his face? the The bigfoot ape, uh, what's his name? Gigantopithecus.
1: Yeah, yeah, Gigantopithecus.
0: Yeah, we got a million of that guy's teeth. Right, we got like two thousand, three thousand of them. Like, we don't got the whole skeleton, and everything. Sure, because you know the frame force sucks. It eats bones. We get it. It's badass in that way, but. We still got teeth, so I'm yeah. saying, bring me a teeth of this little hobbit, dude. Well, I guess yeah. we, I guess if it's the, I guess we have the old ones though, right? From what, sixteen thousand years ago, or whatever. What? Eighty. Years? How old is the, yeah, the florenzis? How old is it?
2: Eighty thousand years. Those bones wh- survived.
0: Oh, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a hell long time ago. So they're fossilized. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a we, million, million years ago. could um, survive
1: point, eighty thousand yeah (laughs) we also have a we also have a chimpanzee fossils we have like one or two which is like incredibly rare rare for that environment so it's like oh oh we don't have any for for these guys i guess
0: so before we get to kind of like conclusions like what do you think about this um you can call it a cryptid it's kind of like um i guess it's kind of a cryptid but it's kind of like a possible biological creature because it's not that outlandish you know like a medium-sized ape that we haven't found, you know? Like, I don't think it's too outlandish. Like, where do you rate this kind of like on the probability or likelihood scale? Because it, it seems kind of different than some of the other ones.
1: Uh I'd say with this one, at least it's better than um North American, like apes, like uh, Bigfoot, where at least we know that archaic humans were in this area um, or, or reached this area, like Homo erectus. So like, I guess it's a little bit more likely I'd rate it as a uh, but like for the, for them surviving this late and us having no
0: evidence, that's well, what it, it could it. be a subspecies of orangutan.
1: Yeah, I've heard that argument, too.
0: I mean, like, I'm not saying it is, but I mean, that's not outlandish to me. I'm like, saying like, Loch Ness is. monster is outlandish, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty far out there. Like, Are, are I,
1: we seeing like an orangutan that can walk upright or just like one that does it every now and then?
0: I guess does it every now and then. Oh, okay. Which they do,
1: which they do. I actually Googled
0: orangutans yeah, right.
2: walking on two legs.
0: <laughs> yeah. I would say what, what do you think, Stefan? Like about this this compared to other cryptids. I would say
2: that these people are one hundred percent telling the truth that they saw an orangutan. And the mm. entire <laughs> description of this animal perfectly matches an orangutan which live on Sumatra. So I don't yeah. see the uh, neat like a medium-sized ape, goldenish hair, very human-looking. They're seeing orangutans.
0: Um, yeah, because what does orangutan mean? I Means man like, of the forest. Man right? of the forest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah, okay. He's seen forest man. That's that's what that's what we're talking about.
2: Yeah, orangutans Ooh, incredibly human faces. Like, they're very expressive faces. Like, yeah. the men have I, those huge round faces. So they're probably seeing female orangutans. is what they're I, seeing.
0: I, I guess I was just thinking this is um slightly more mundane of a claim compared to many other cryptids, like Dogman or Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster or Flatwoods Monster, right? Like, the fact that there is some, like, quite peculiar and unexpected, but, you know, basically an ape of, of marginal size that lives in a jungle which, you know, could support it just seems more believable on its face than some of the other ones. But I, of course, don't think it reaches the level of believable or even reasonable.
1: Yeah, because there's a lot of deforestation in those areas where you'd expect to find an unknown species by now. Yeah, I did Uh, look up the population
2: of Sumatra. It's over 50 million people. Uh, (laughs) So there's a lot of people living on this island. Um, But no, you're right. There's no supernatural claim behind this one, where unlike... Yeah,
0: yeah, because Bigfoot goes through portals or, you know, Loch Ness Monster
1: enters into the trees.
0: Yeah, I mean, Loch Ness Monster (laughs) somehow lives for thousands of years without breeding (laughs) with minimal calories, which is pretty baller.
1: There's an interesting thing I'd like to point out is that um, there's some older uh, like historical accounts where people it's seen where people in these uh, in Sumatra using Orang Pendek. But mm-hmm. it seems like they used it to simply refer to, like, short humans that mm-hmm. uh, were, like, forest-dwelling tribes. Like, I see. Like, not ape men, but, like, just no, just short humans. Is
0: it uh, natives doing that or, or Westerners? Uh, natives, indigenous people. Okay, yeah. So, so now Westerners are trying to retrofit it to fit their cryptid stories? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's one of those yeah.
1: things where it's hard to tell, like, what the original folklore was like before europeans went in there and messed with it
0: we call that a white fitting on the show when people try to take like native legends and folktales and then turn them into evidence of cryptids being older than they are
2: there is um, a because that happens a lot with bigfoot i'm sure yeah there is something interesting about flores though in that on the island of Mm -hmm. flores there are genuine human pygmies Homo sapien pygmies and they did do dna tests on them to see if homo floresiensis dna survived within them and uh that came back negative mm. that's not true but no. it does show that oh interesting uh like the whatever the environment is on flores you know and that encourages sort of island dwarfism has happened twice with two different hominins so that is interesting
0: that is yeah island dwarfism is real cool. i believe you have a video about that don't you trey
1: yeah 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 we're uh yeah evolutionarily like animals will adapt to be smaller when there's less resources and stuff. You see this a lot. There's dwarf deer on islands and, uh, mammoths, uh, mammoths, what pygmy elephants and mammoths yeah. on certain islands.
0: So yeah. it's, it's really cool when those evolutionary principles can be tracked through multiple instances, different species, different islands, different time periods. Cause it kind of shows you're onto something, you know? Yeah. So yep. happened to us too. Happened to these little dudes back in the past. Um, so anyways, we, we went out and we did our, we, our quest, we went up and tried to find these guys. And uh, what did we find, Trey?
1: We found, uh, oh, well, no, I was about to say absolutely nothing, but no, no, no. We... <laughs> well, don't, don't spoil that right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll
0: ask you again. Don't, don't
1: <laughs> okay. Trey. And what do we find, buddy? Um, we found, uh, so we didn't get any pictures back.
0: No. Uh, no, we just got
1: pictures of them and you can see how depressed, uh, they look as they scroll through the
0: camera roll. yeah so we got all the camera traps you know with their big old compact flashcards that i love to see (laughs) and um sometimes it gets pictures of deer or you know something but got uh, nothing this time didn't get anything which is
1: weird to me that there's like no animal life in this area they didn't like their uh,
0: pheromone chips
1: yeah the chips might have scared things off like i was expecting you'd see at least like a bird or something uh yeah but no, we didn't get anything. But we did get those those footprints, right? We got those. Yeah, we got the, the plaster plaster casts in there. And-
0: did you have any thoughts, Stefan, about seeing the footprints before the results came in?
2: They have some funny looking feet. Uh, <laughs> the one, <laughs> I, think, I don't know. I mean, I I was not surprised that we didn't get a picture of Arang Pandek, despite the title of the uh, video. <laughs> but uh
0: <laughs> i think yeah. i mean come on man
2: <laughs> i think what it really proves if it proves anything is that, not that the uh vaginal chips don't work but it must be that the british smell worse and that you know these <laughs> british,
0: see, <laughs> these Thank, british. thanks for saying that because we all wanted to say that but we couldn't you yeah i yeah, so yeah. appreciate you Like,
2: you know, they're hanging these uh, sweet-smelling chips all around the forest, but it doesn't cover up the stench of some British guys.
0: (laughs) The the smell of the empire, you know. (laughs) uh, Yeah,
2: no. These feet are... um, One thing I found, because they're so desperately trying to tie this to stories of Homo floresiensis, one thing I did find interesting about these footprints is that they have opposable toes, and by the time like mm-hmm. Homo erectus and Homo floresiensis um, evolved, we had long lost an opposable toe. So right. I, was, I
1: I was thinking the same exact thing. Yeah. Where they, they don't really look like an archaic human species footprint. Um, no. Like they, it looks way too spread out. Um, and if you see like Australopithecus or Homo erectus footprints, they're st- they're incredibly human-like.
0: They yeah. do this a lot where they try to use a um, you know an extinct animal. And claim that there's a relic version of it, but then there's like you know taxonomical differences between like their eyewitnesses' accounts. You know, like there's like a three-toed Bigfoot that they're counting in Florida as a track. Oh yeah, and I'm just like, okay, but these are completely different species, then guys. Like you, (laughs) you gotta like, I mean, I know they don't really have a real holotype, but you gotta like at least describe what you're looking for, right? And then try to find evidence. You can't just Texas harp shooter fallacy the whole thing. I mean, I guess they can't feel, but
1: the Yeti foot, the famous Yeti footprint that has like mm-hmm. this massive eight ball sized big toe. Yeah. In to The snow. I think of that. It's like deformed looking and it's like, yeah, that's what they look like.
0: Well, they it's- they want to be taken seriously, but then they don't act serious. You know, like you, you gotta just admit when you don't have good evidence, man, it's okay. Like there's still cool stuff out there to find. Like there's all kinds of birds we find all the time. Go take pictures of them.
2: Well, he does not you know, who does have opposable toes.
1: Orangutans. Ooh. Oh, ooh, ooh. oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know who he lives in Sumatra? <laughs>
2: orangutans. I, so, I thought- you, so, you mean to
0: tell me that there's a, a human face looking, a possible th- a thumb having, golden haired little dude that stands upright and hangs out in the bush that lives in this region?
2: Yes.
1: What I no. found really yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, <laughs> what I found really funny. So I guess I
0: have to play the We Got Him clip right there. So. Yeah.
1: Monster Quest rules that out because, like, they're not found in this particular national park. But, like, they're found on, like, the island, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, they so might not possible. be here that commonly, but, I mean, it seems like a much more plausible explanation than a whole new species.
1: Yeah. Because we, we have, like... Remember we did that one story where the, they found that mountain lion all the way, like, in, like, New Jersey? Yeah. Yeah. Animals can travel all kinds sure. of
0: places. You know, like I said, that there's... I mean i have seen boars in northern california i told that story you know and they're like they're not there that much but i've seen them yeah i don't know if they were brought there by humans and that's why they're there but you know they're there one so. thing
2: i found uh, really funny was when they're talking about that snapped stick and they're like oh this is classic orang pendek because they love <laughs> they love ginger and then I googled <laughs> orangutan diet, and like the first thing is like, yeah, they love ginger.
1: Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> well, they they started using all this cool hip lingo. They start they called it op, right? At one point, yes,
0: op, buddy. You know, this is op
1: track right here. I'm like, oh my god, the op an squad. They
0: go out every Friday night, you know, crack some beers and look for the little dude. You down Free. with opp? Yeah, you know me. You down <laughs> with opp? Um. There's a really popular video that wasn't included in the sponsor quest because it, it postates the show, but of some dudes on dirt bikes out riding in the bush and they claim to see one run off. Oh, um, do they? Yeah, here. I'll, I'll show you guys in right now, actually. Yeah, here watch that watch the definitely
2: video. one of their friends naked.
0: <laughs> well, no, dude, that's that's him. What are you
1: talking oh, about? Oh, there's like a yeah, there's a little man who runs away. Yeah, see? Yeah. Nudist. But
0: you're gonna say because it's in the highly like unvisible white part of the video that's like been messed up with color and it's fuzzy that it's not real and you're going to say that okay why can't these people on dirt bikes out ride this little guy and just go find him and get a good video but i'm going to say accept the mystery accept the mystery
1: yeah that's a, that's a guy that's a nudist right there that, that's not a an ape ape man if
2: it's not a yeah, dude, just it's, it's an orangutan <laughs> No, it's definitely one of their mates.
0: No, the video says it's a fourth species of orangutan, so that's confirmed. So well,
1: the, the fourth fourth species of orangutan runs upright like that.
0: Also, this thing isn't three foot tall; it's way too tall for it's, a it's orangutan the size of a dog.
1: human. It's it's not a what what is this? Who made this?
0: Yeah, so that you know, there, there's that evidence that Monster Quest didn't have access to, or probably would have talked about for an hour. <laughs> I love all the but comments. Okay.
2: Uh, has it done DMT though?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so um we look at our camera traps get nothing um we do have our footprints though so we sing our foot we send the footprints to our main boy jeff meldrum and what yeah. did he say about him Trey?
1: he says they're, bare. they're bear. they're bare footprints which yeah, is a bear yeah sure I, his guess is like i don't even know if there was a footprint there
0: yeah i i'm a little i don't know i i think jeff's ability to discern footprints out of weird messy stuff is a little i think he a little overstates it myself mm. you know but I don't know how to like fully explain that because I'm not a footprint expert but he's just he's just always saying things or things i'm like man you can just say you can't tell sometimes you know
1: yeah because it, it's a bad track it doesn't it, it's the the tracks in general that they found were just really shallow and y- they point out little features in it i don't know ever since I've like looked at the um the Paluxy tracks, like the ones mm. where they claim dinosaurs and humans are walking side by side, which really um, happened, obviously. Yeah. It, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just like, whenever I see somebody that claims to have like a footprint of something and you're just like, li- and they see like a human foot within like this jumbled, jumbled mess of like, except
0: this- for the footprints I talked about earlier, which are definitely real.
1: Yeah. Well, well, like <laughs> if you take that, if you take like the Latoli footprints are. Homo erectus footprints or something. They're so clear. Yeah. And then you go to something like the Paluxy tracks or these footprints and they're just like this mess of just. So there, junk.
0: there's <laughs> also these little sun bears that live in this region, which monster quest brings up as a possible explanation. And I think is what Jeff is saying. The footprint is, and these little sun bears are a little golden and they, you know, walk upright on occasion as bears do, and they can be about three to four foot tall. So. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's another perfectly reasonable explanation to what these sightings could be. So mm. yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So it's if people are seeing a thing, they're probably seeing orangutans or they're seeing these little bears or, you know, you just see things in the jungle that aren't there sometimes. Same way we see things in the woods that aren't there sometimes. So,
2: yeah. Can I ask the, you oh, I a question? question.
0: Yeah, oh, okay,
1: sure
2: as you guys are more into this stuff, do you think there are any undiscovered animals of that size?
1: No. Ooh, I, I don't think so. I, if you said that to me like uh, 20 years ago, maybe, but like, no, I'd say no.
0: Um, I, there's probably subspecies of like dolphins or whales, because we do find like, you know, they to a layman, they wouldn't look like a different animal. But sometimes we find like a dolphin or something that's like slightly different.
2: Well, the water um, is a um, little bit different. We're not in that all the time. Sorry, I yeah. should have specified land animal. Yeah. Land animal.
0: It's yeah. fine. Yeah. So I I do not think we're going to find any like large charismatic megafauna yeah. on this earth. Um, I think we're finding that where we have less of less of it every day. Um, mm. as I have positive it posited before, if Bigfoot did exist, he would very likely have gone extinct. Right. Um, you would not expect him to be able to live in the same environment as. The ecology is changing and deforestation is affecting the area so much if if the creature did exist it's probably dead and mm-hmm. you know i i just i just don't think we're going to find large animals anymore unfortunately not yeah. on this planet anyway
1: yeah when so. you take like genetics into it and like the amount of uh, individuals you'll need in a population for it to remain healthy it's just like it's it the, you do the math and it's just not really
0: possible I mean, like, there's places in Papua New Guinea that, like, you know, haven't been that well mapped and figured out and stuff, but it's still, like, there's just not going to be large animals there. You know, like, we'll mm-hmm. find bugs and birds and stuff. There's still cool stuff to find.
1: And oh, there's yeah, still some yeah. stuff
0: in the ocean, but, like, it's just, you're not going to get large charismatic megafauna stuff. It's just not going to happen.
2: Yeah. My, my, uh, when I saw the population of Sumatra, and if you imagine just how, well populated that is, even though there are like rainforest preserves, there are people all over Sumatra at every hour of the day <laughs> like if uh, if yeah, a, yeah. An, a, and and the population would have to consist of at least a hundred people surely to survive. yeah, I
0: mean, they got phones, people take pictures of this stuff if it was out there, yeah I just I unfortunately don't think um most of the cryptics have a lot of viability at all, unfortunately. I think this one probably has more viability than most and still I, you know, I'm less than 1%. Right. And I think this was probably in the upper echelon of likelihood for when it comes to cryptids being real. Um, I guess the, the thylacine, if you count it as a cryptid would be on the high part. Again, I'm saying like less than 1%, but you know, they did exist not that long ago, so it's not ridiculously impossible, but, um, unfortunately humans have had a massive ecological impact on the world and made it harder for large animals to live. And, um, we're also really good at cataloging and exploring and we have satellites and all this other kind of stuff. And we have Edna, ED now now. So we're just not going to discover large new animals. I don't think anymore. So mm. until that? we go to space and find a space zoo.
1: It's funny that you say that miles, cause the Adam Davies guy is, is still looking for Orang Pentec
0: to this day. Oh, of course he is. Cause he saw yeah. it. So. Right
1: yeah yeah he's still seeing it apparently yeah he just but he can't get a photo of
0: it it's yeah the
1: the other guy uh what's his name jeremy holden like you could see it in this episode Mm -hmm. he's like visibly disappointed and tired i don't know if that's me projecting Mm -hmm. but he just looks like defeated (laughs) and i know that he's completely given up on cryptids he does like photo shoots for like underwear models now or something
0: What um so Stefan, you don't deal with the weird world of cryptids as much as we do, perhaps. So what what is your kind of uh, opinion on the search for it, and um are we wasting our time even talking about it? You can say yes if you think yes. (laughs) No, it's certainly uh, no, it's fine.
2: I mean, it's certainly entertaining. I why we, I mean, you and Trey presume you can. uh, It's definitely entertaining to talk about, but it is almost certainly some psychological phenomenon that humans have like um Mm. like i when i i went camping a a year ago on my own and i don't often go camping and i was walking around at night in the dark i was smoking the weed which didn't help but yeah uh you just get that sense that like what was that
0: trait so you got paranoid you oh do. no i was
1: just saying that's an ancient tradition it is, it really
0: in is in the yeah, woods. But you just
2: have that <laughs> sense of like something's in the woods looking at me man you know you just get that sense <laughs> and, and, and i do believe that a lot of it like every sighting is just that that sensation in a way but i mean maybe they're. do you think they're like die-hard believers there must be i suppose
0: but Oh, dude! Bigfoot is um, very well believed in this country. Millions and millions of people believe Bigfoot is real in America.
1: Oh yeah, That's
0: there's crazy. a lot of people
1: who believe, uh, like uh, Paul McCartney died and they replaced him. It's I like four percent believe in
0: ghosts. There's people that believe Disney made Star Wars movies. All kind of outlandish claims. There. <laughs>
1: Disney made Star Wars movies.
0: Like there's obviously not true claims. People just believe.
2: <laughs> I think you'll find they made the best ones. Um,
0: Okay, well, you're kicked off the show. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> That's right. Miles That's is going to attack. Then. I like Jar Jar Binks. At least he stood up to the fascists when they rolled the town, even though he's an idiot. You know? <laughs> did he
1: really, Miles? Did he stand up to fascism? Yeah. When did the that tra- happen?
0: The Trade Federation oh, came in. Oh, I thought in. you were
1: talking about uh, Palpatine. I thought you were talking about no, the d- Empire. No.
0: Do, no. Do,
1: we, do we know what happened to Jar Jar after? Uh, um, we stuff? do
0: not know how Jar Jar Binks died. They've got to bring him back. Yeah, bring him back. Jar 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 does have a few important things. There's a mission he goes on with Mace Windu, for example. Um, Yeah, that's in
1: the Clone Wars, right?
0: Yeah, it's in the Clone Wars. And there's some stuff in the EU that he does. Um, You know, like he becomes a senator, obviously, as as we know. Um, And he's like a hero to his people. But we actually do not know how he dies. It's not in the EU or um Disney's fake fan fiction canon. So come on Disney make mm. a
1: series, make like a like a Disney Plus series on Jar Jar.
0: He could be the one to uh, decanonize their fake sequels. Yeah, yeah, have a, like yeah.
1: Have a thing where like he time travels or something and undoes everything. Oh
0: no, Misa ruined the movies. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he like he like bumbles around, trips on something and like uh prevents uh I don't even know what happened. Uh, Snoke? What's his name? i don't care (laughs) i like it when we talk about star wars
0: this this is like the um you must be pretty desperate if you come to me for help and it's fucking jar jar binks (laughs) (laughs) save us jar jar
1: he's like smoking in like a room with like the blinds closed yeah you want help come to the right
0: place i can't talk about (laughs) this anymore um
1: (laughs) sorry we don't have anything to talk about with orange pedrox oh wait what
0: the oh, youtube yeah, comments for the episode
1: oh i keep on forgetting the youtube comments yeah, yeah so yeah.
0: i like one it was um did i miss the part where the real hobbit was caught on camera <laughs> yeah <laughs> <I> was like <laughs> where is that uh, and one person's like no hobbits were revealed in the making of this documentary and uh this is a really good one and so if i had to do it all over again i'd stay hidden too <laughs>
1: The, there's one that says, I've said it before. Science hasn't discovered everything under the sun. There's a lot to be discovered.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're like, all right, you're right. Weird eight people.
1: Oh, and then there's one person that just says, Shut up, Steve. <laughs>
0: and Steve should, I have a friend named Steve, and if he's listening, he can shut up too. Oh, yeah, because oh, Steve says,
2: Don't make false claims when you advertise. And Molly Duck mm-hmm. was like, Shut up, Steve.
1: <laughs> the second so, the narrator said poisonous snakes i lost what little respect i had left for the history channel that, that are they supposed it. to say venomous snakes is that what they're complaining yeah about? i guess so i uh,
0: <laughs> this i a- mean they, they weren't mad when they're like hitler built the pyramids or like <laughs>
1: Mixing up oh. venomous and poisonous. Now that's where I draw the line.
0: Or we're like, there, there's no possible way these, these South Americans could have built anything show. But when, when they they say poisonous instead of venomous, now it's over. It is done.
2: Can I? <laughs> this is an absolute classic YouTube comment. Thomas okay. Smithson. I don't know if we're calling people out. But experts <laughs> are mostly wrong and revise their, quote, theories to suit their grantor. Why then do we keep referring to them? i get that so going full circle back to gobekli tepe that yeah. shit appears in my videos every fucking day of the week
1: oh it's my god so yeah. Annoying. yeah where they go that like scientists were wrong once therefore they know absolutely nothing it's like no <laughs> that's not how this Science works
2: is a liar yeah.
0: sometimes
2: <laughs> this guy's put all his faith in adam davies and that's a bad move <laughs> <laughs> That's the guy with the red shirt,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of, right? yeah. yeah. He he, yeah. he started crying. I watched. So he sells. Um, I don't mean to call him out, but he like still sells like DVDs about his explorations. Awesome. Um, he calls himself like, like an explorer and stuff. And like, he, there's like one where he's like, he's like, we saw oring Pendek and we started crying. But they didn't see it. We they did they did Miles come on
0: no but the thing is though <laughs> like they really just didn't and if they did then look. I will say something mean about them. If your life's goal is to prove that you saw this thing and nobody says you saw it, then you keep on seeing it and keep can't and you like cannot get a photo of it. You just suck. Like You <laughs> should feel really bad about yourself because you're depriving the world of the important conservation stuff that needs to go to protect these things. If they're real, they need you to be able to press a button on a camera. And the fact that you haven't been able to do that like a baker's dozen times, you fucked up You're a fuck up. <laughs> so i mean either accept that you're a fuck up or you're a liar it's one of the two you know that's that's my harsh that's my harsh truce for this guy he needs to accept that so
2: <laughs> oh wait can, oh my goodness can i oh, read yeah. this comment Yeah, I yeah, know, yeah. You're, you're good. the earth is full of mystery i cannot doubt anyone all caps who claims to have seen something unusual for i saw a freaking pterodactyl in the sky <laughs> over the treetops in a city of twenty five thousand in BROAD DAYLIGHT, all caps. <laughs> so there are pterodactyls like, out there recording. Where, where
1: is he claiming this? In Texas or something? I don't I, know. I, t- I know that there's people that the claim have seen. Uh, yeah, there's Ropens. A fucking um, ropin, yeah. Oh, God. Is you know there a ropin the ropin, Stefan? No, I don't know that one. Oh, uh, the,
0: Trey has a video about that one, too. The Ropen um,
1: is this bizarre, like a glowing pterosaur that. Uh, it's bioluminescent. Like. Bioluminescent pterosaur that that uh, only Christian creationists in 1996
0: saw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's very specific. It's not an airplane, though. Okay, stop saying it's an airplane. It's a bioluminescent pterosaur that they really did see. Yeah, and yeah. It proves that evolution is not true because I don't know. I don't. I, I never followed that argument. Well, and,
1: and there's like these really cringy uh, tapes by. Uh, it's essentially just one guy. Um, oh gosh, I forgot his name. Jonathan Whitcomb. Oh, there it is. Um, who who records the he's like a, a missionary slash pterosaur hunter and um, he like does these really cringy interviews where he's like feeding these oh should i say allegedly feeding these <laughs> indigenous pterosaur
0: people, hunter. <laughs> these
1: <laughs> indigenous people off, in an interview like like so like did it have a really long tail and like it looked like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it had that. And and he has like this really great book called Searching for Ropens and Finding God. And it's oh. like this oh Microsoft God. Paint little uh Photoshop on the front of it. Oh, oh Jonathan.
0: Not not a fan. Gotta say. <laughs> so we normally rate these episodes out of ten. Our highest rated episode, I believe, so far is the giant squid episode because yeah. they actually found a giant squid. So like, you know, <laughs> you're like, hey, you guys did it.
2: Well, they um, went out looking for an animal that actually exists, which was a well, big they, help.
0: <laughs> they didn't know that there were um, that kind of giant squid in this gulf. Like, science had not known that at the time. Um, um So they actually did find one. So, like, mm. that was legitimately pretty rad. Okay, yeah. I it's like an actual that, discovery. Yeah yeah so like that's like the best episode because they're like hey man there's hell a big ass squid in here and scientists like i don't know about that and they're like well we're gonna actually do something right this time so suck it so that's our highest rated episode um i think the worst episode is probably the one where they try to look for the giant cats and they just find normal cats <laughs> the that's giant the episode. Cat. yeah
1: there was some uh, good science in that one don at least when they, they went to like they did the debunk it pretty good
0: but yeah. it's just like they're house cats, man. They just showed us a bunch of videos <laughs> of house cats for 20 minutes. Um, so on IMDb, this one has a 5.8 out of 10, which is not too high overall. Um, the show normally averages out about a six with a couple tens in there. Um, mm-hmm. What would you give it, Stefan?
2: I'm going to give it a two. 2.7. Oh, there. there you go. Uh, two, oh, fuck. Because they didn't find orang pendek but they did provide nope. an excellent uh description of orangutan behavior so that was interesting it's
0: <laughs> <I laughs> like it's a damn orangutan you fools <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it definitely is <laughs> um how about you Dre?
1: I'd, I'd give it a little higher i'd give it yeah. a a four maybe there was some decent uh, what am i saying the, 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 like uh if I give it a four i'm not gonna even explain myself
0: okay yeah i'm gonna give it a four as well i mean this is you know grading for this show right like Mm. because um i do give them a lot of points sometimes when they like actually do a good debunking you know like like in the dog headed one uh, dog man they're like Werewolves don't exist, and I appreciated that. You know, just <laughs> just rolling that out right away. <laughs> that's, that's <good> <laughs> no, um, but
1: they exist. They exist in psychology and and, yeah. um, but we're, and we're like New York
0: in, in Russian Killer Ape. You know, they mentioned that the dude who has the condition with the hair like is just a normal happy dude. You know, so that that was good. But um the quest is kind of like they just bring the Bigfoot kid out to go find Little Bigfoot, mm. and you can't really like Little Bigfoot is not as cool as Bigfoot. Bigfoot because he's not as big. So, like, it's just not as exciting. And I didn't think it was one of the better episodes of the show. It is kind of cool talking about the um, evolutionary history of this island and the different, you know, like apes that were there. So, that's kind of cool. But I wish they went into that more. Um, I didn't like that they said um, the Tolkien thing about how uh, hobbits are from a movie. So, (laughs) I'm actually going to revise it and give it a zero because of that. And uh, fuck whoever wrote that line.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of dog-headed men, Miles, Yeah. Um. Spe- when we brought up like the how these Orang pindeck believers use Marco Polo, yeah. um, did you know that Marco Polo spoke of an island inhabited by like dog men?
0: Yeah, it's going to be amazing. in my book, man. I'm just trying not to amazing. bring it up so people don't know all these cool things and think I thought of them myself.
1: Oh, shoot. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Well, it's interesting because um, he says that it was an island in the Bay of Bengal. And it's Mm -hmm. likely that he was talking about like the um, like legends of the Andaman Islands, which is kind of cool, which are inhabited by a very unique type of people and stuff.
0: So there's a um, not
1: they're not dog headed people, though. They're they're just normal people. So there's (laughs) an
0: actual 13th century manuscript, Stefan, called Do Dog Headed Men Have Souls Um, between two monks? Yeah, it's a (laughs) real, real Catholic document between two Catholic priests arguing, like, if these people do have souls, like, what is our obligation to them? And um, I I've used that to kind of start the inspiration for a comic that I'm writing. So it's going to be kind of about this age of exploration and what people thought were out there. And uh, it's also very Welsh, but that'll probably be coming out next year for me. So, but it's a, uh, there's some weird stuff about dog-headed men in history that people believe they were real for quite a while.
2: That's a genuinely, um, damn, someone's already beat me to a YouTube video. Voices of the past <laughs> to say, like, damn, that's a really good <laughs> for a YouTube video. <laughs> but uh, I like that
1: channel. yeah, yeah. It's uh there's there's a there's a lot of weird uh Catholic like like uh trivia that you could bring up, like how capybara are are considered
0: fish. Mm-hmm.
1: You can eat them on lint, right?
0: Yep. What? And um also, there's a saint that was <laughs> dog headed.
1: There was. Yep. It, what?
0: Yep. Why yeah, are they dog
1: headed? What, what, what is yeah, this about? Saint
0: Christopher is dog headed.
1: Was he born that way?
0: Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it didn't happen. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. St. Christopher, dog headed.
2: Do dog headed wow. men have souls? Definitely. Is, that's like a, the perfect that's the name of my book, yeah. It's the perfect, like, what's that Christian book, Chicken Soup for the Soul? It is like the yeah, perfect yeah, yeah. medieval <laughs> version of that. <laughs> like, it's like
1: medieval self help.
0: Uh, here, I'll show you a few pages from my, I'll show you the cover if you want Stefan.
1: Oh, these are great. Look at these like old manuscript depictions. They're like, they're like domesticated dog headed men. They look yeah. cute. They're like, they're like bulldogs.
0: It's weird, huh?
1: I thought they were like, like Jackal looking, looking yep. men, like Anubis. That's I've amazing. been looking at
0: this shit for like a year and a half because I've been trying to get the coolest parts of it into the story, you know? So, <laughs> but That's it's a uh, pretty great. weird pretty 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 weird
1: pretty there should be larry david hunting cryptids in an episode
0: oh buddy he would find them though
1: (laughs) and like argue with them complain about (laughs)
0: it the cryptic community can't let that happen because then (laughs) that would be out of a job what do you think bigfoot people would do if they found him uh if they found bigfoot People, that is a huge debate in the bigfoot community. Well,
1: because yeah, there's some people who say that they sh- they would shoot it, and some people who be like, "That's like manslaughter or yeah. murder."
0: Yeah. Did you shoot it, Stefan? Uh,
2: nah, nah, nah. I'm not going to shoot it. But um, I I don't even kill a fly, honestly. But I am also yes. not vegan, so that- I'm a massive hypocrite too. But um
0: oh that's all that's all right we don't we don't discriminate against hypocrites on this show <laughs> yeah
2: but uh no i wouldn't shoot it it's just uh I, I i think honestly if these people found it i think they'd be a little
1: bit lost because it's like shit it's not mystery anymore yeah that would be amazing though like having the scientific community have to like reconcile what that means like the dna tests that would be done on bigfoot and all the scientific papers that would be published like that'd be amazing
0: See, I would shoot it, even though I would really not want to kill Bigfoot in that way on my conscience. But I think that securing that it is a real thing would be necessary in order to put the um, conservation efforts in place to save Bigfoot. And I think that confirming its existence would be greater to the species as a whole. So I think that one Bigfoot would unfortunately have to be sacrificed for the greater good of the other Bigfoots.
2: It's gonna be the last mm, one. You're gonna have great. shot the last one. Well then fucking
0: <laughs> no big deal then, right? Like got, <laughs> yeah. there was none and then there was one, then there's none. So I mean oops. There's
1: a there's a movie kind of like the Miles with their, and um... the Henderson's great movie. <laughs> no, no, not like that. <laughs> um oh gosh, who's the Green Goblin? Who's in the lighthouse? What's his name? Willem Dafoe.
0: Oh, okay. I thought you were asking that. Who actually is the Green Goblin?
1: <laughs> no, Willem Dafoe. There's this movie with Willem Dafoe. He kills uh, the last thylacine. Oh, um, I know. It's like, and it's really depressing. He's like crying over it and stuff. It's a good movie, though.
0: Oh, we have a Patreon question we have to answer for. Oh,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Let me log in here. <clears throat>
1: it, it's like the question that we just answered. Would you kill Bigfoot?
0: No, it's it's a question about. Like lizards or something. Would you kick Bigfoot?
1: That's
2: the better question. (laughs) Would you kiss Bigfoot? bigfoot.
1: Yeah. No, no, that's how does. That's that's, going to kill me. That's going to give me some type of disease.
2: If it's a hominin, you know, disease. Admixture with various hominins is a fine evolutionary tradition of ours. (laughs) I'm going
1: to give him COVID 19. That's what's going to (laughs) happen.
2: He's going to give you COVID 23.
1: Oh
2: my Jeez. god! <laughs> That's way past that. Motherfucker. Yeah. That's why there's so few of them.
0: Okay. What's this guy's question? Mm. Okay, so yes. I'll edit out some of our stupid conversation. No, no, um, this is great. Yeah. So, um, so Patreon supporter uh, Hedrugal, he asks, and he wanted all three of us to answer. Um. Why is there so much hate for non-avian reptiles in human mythology? Other than spitting cobras probably evolving to shoot venom in our eyes. I don't know if that's why they evolved, but they, <laughs> you know, they could, it could happen. Um, why have snakes ever done to deserve this? So, What do you think, Trey? Uh, so I've put a lot of thought to this. Um,
1: and there, there's a lot of like um, psychological theories about this sort of reason why there's so many negative depictions of of like lizards and snakes and mythologies around the world um and one theory is that like humans are like instinctually sort of evolved to like dislike snakes and uh and and lizards and stuff and it might be like an evolutionary adaptation um for like in the wilderness like when you saw a snake if you didn't fear it immediately you'd risk sort of getting bitten and dying and and you'd be removed from the gene pool so it's kind of like this uh, pattern recognition has evolved in, in Homo sapiens yeah. and like our myths are like a remnant of that. Um, but it kind of breaks down when you take into account, like not all cultures consider dragons and, uh, snakes and stuff to be evil. Like in, in China, like they the Chinese dragons are typically considered good guys
0: yeah Korean um, dragons are river spirits and stuff,
1: yeah, and there's like this interesting book, and this is an interesting book it's um oh, what is it called it's called Instinct for dragons and I don't know if it's the originator of this sort of theory um but he he posited the author I posited that like there's apparently like Inuit legends of a creature that um is incredibly like snake and lizard like despite snakes and lizards not really be being found in that <laughs> region mm-hmm. um so his argument was that, like, we instinctually recognize that or have that image in our head of like dragons and stuff, and hate it nonetheless, even if they're in our environment. Um, but I think that kind of breaks down. I don't even know if that I've looked at depict like indigenous depictions of that monster, and they're not really especially serpent or lizard like. Sure. Um, so eh, I can see the argument that it th- there's an instinct instinctual aspect to it that we've evolved to hate snakes and lizards but like it a lot of the stuff is culturally um relative like they're human at a certain point humans have their own individuality and uh they just hate certain things and like certain things there's not much there there's sometimes there's not a clear explanation why we find certain foods taboo or anything like that yeah that's my two cents at least it's complicated
0: what do you think Stefan?
2: i uh entirely agree with uh trey's opinion that it's oh, you know maybe an evolutionary thing but probably heavily culturally dependent uh i will say this that my great aunt was killed by a venomous snake oh my gosh oh, really so well, yeah let's
0: get the bastards then yeah so What's when like she a was a baby
2: out? like uh when she was a young baby my granddad's sister this was in serbia and they were working out in the fields and the baby was placed under the tree temporarily and uh, was bitten by a snake oh. and died. So oh my gosh. I uh, do believe that there is, it, it could be possible that we have an aversion to them because they. it's one of the few animals that can like legit kill us. How many animals can really yeah. do that? Yeah.
1: It's, it's like in Dark Souls, it's like a one shot, one kill kind of thing. Yeah. You die.
0: <laughs> Death touch.
1: And there's and there's like a, there's experiments with um, chimpanzees where they uh, like had a prop snake or something that resembles a snake and they see chimpanzees react to it where they like they immediately like jump back as soon as they see it. So there's something in their brains that recognize that pattern as a threat.
0: So my my opinion is um, I think there's it's easier for us to empathize with other mammals, right? Like. They they respond to social cues more similar to us. Um, we kind of kind of pick up on like their body language and stuff more in a way that we can't really do with with these kind of reptiles. And I think that otherness makes us somehow um, find them the cold and unsocial. And so the fact that they can also harm us, even if the overall numbers of the harm isn't that high. Um, makes us really kind of put a malevolence on that because Mm. like if a, if a pack of dogs you see one day and you pet them and another day, you know, a pack of dogs kill someone in your village, you know, like wolves or whatever back in the day, you kind of have like different stories you can tell, but because like snakes aren't that social of an animal, they're not going to curl up to you and, and get pet or whatever, right? You can't play fetch with them and stuff. We don't have those kind of reactions that we associate with humans as positive, that we may do with other mammals, you don't have those typically with reptiles. Obviously, there are pseudo domesticated reptiles that people have pets for today, but these, those events I don't think would be very common through history. So I think that there is just this lack of empathy for these animals. The fact that also they like literally creep and crawl and like are in the bush and the undergrowth gives them this mysteriousness. So if you can put mysteriousness and, um, you know, like ill intent, on something i think it's a lot of cultural cachet for them to be cre- creepy and non-respected um that of course isn't a logical argument why we should be unkind to them but i think that's an emotional one and probably one that's had an impact on culture throughout time mm,
1: i i definitely agree with that yeah, yeah we're sounds, like that's a good
0: point yeah we did it we figured it out um no one needs to write a book about this topic or anything because we're <laughs> all experts on it so
2: shout out to my dead auntie
0: and Stefan one last thing you actually have a book you've been working on
2: yeah thanks this is a totally spontaneous and continuous point from our conversation uh yeah (laughs) not edited in afterwards yeah I have a book coming out in January it is called let me double check tales of ancient worlds (laughs) I'm looking at it right now.
1: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, it's an absolute banger. It's uh, for children age 7 to 10, teaching them all about ancient world. And uh, I am ninety percent sure this is going to be the best selling book of all time, which we did mention earlier was The Hobbit, but it is soon to be replaced
0: by
1: Tales of Ancient Worlds.
0: Okay, um, that's good.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. good. <laughs> so, oh, I can see it. I, I'm looking it up. Oh, it has a nice little cover right here. I like this.
2: Yeah, Ooh, it's, it's, a see it. it's a hardback, a that's th- th- beautifully illustrated.
1: Oh, this is amazing. I love this.
0: Well, we will d- talk about it on the show when it comes out, my friend.
2: <laughs> yeah, just in time for Christmas. 2022 i don't know why it's coming out in january
0: <laughs> but, uh, Do people pre-order up? this book anywhere you can on amazon or wherever fine books are sold you or you can
2: pre-order it on amazon it's coming to a walmart near you uh, i may be in <laughs> costco uh
0: it's we don't have walmart in seattle we <laughs> ran them out of town well okay
1: you don't know, awesome.
0: have WalMarts in in in, in nope. no walmart's in seattle won't allow really them. nope Dang.
2: Not even in a surrounding suburb.
0: Uh not anywhere near. I think you have to go about an hour north to the nearest Walmart.
1: Dang. Fair so, enough.
0: Yeah. But anyways, get his book um anywhere the fine books are sold except for Walmart in Seattle. <laughs> um well yeah, uh so we're coming to the end of it here. Some of this will probably go on the Patreon. So if there's anything you want to add Stefan um, about how much you enjoyed your time with, uh, these two fantastic people, myself and Trey, or, or, um, you want to talk about your show or any of your social stuff, uh, or anything you have coming up, feel free to do that.
2: All right. I would rate this episode, uh, an 8.9. I had a fantastic time. Uh, we probably should have spent longer talking about those, uh, vagina chips, but but I know this is a regular series for you, so I can't really blame you for that. And that's <laughs> yeah. something I'm going to investigate further myself.
0: Uh, well, well, be careful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I'm, I am British, so I stink far worse than they do. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I had fun. It was a blast. Go to yeah. youtube.com forward slash Stefan Milo. That's on the internet. And uh, you can watch my videos about archaeology and anthropology.
0: Yeah, they're really great, and uh, he's uh, at history uh, histories Milo right on Twitter.
2: Yeah, histories Milo. Someone else took yep. Stefan Milo. I couldn't help. I didn't know what to put. At History's oh, those, Milo. Those bastards. I know. Yeah. Um,
0: but they should definitely follow you. Uh, you're a really pleasant fellow, and you like cool, old, weird things, which is uh, what Trey and I are all about. So yeah,
1: that's it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for being on here. Yeah, we really loved
0: having you on the show, and I'll get this edited and done probably i have comic-con coming up this weekend so if you're in the seattle area and you'd like to see me i'll be at the real big comic-con in seattle at the seattle center next week uh but this episode will probably be out wednesday if i can get it done and i hope everybody enjoyed it uh we were i was happy to talk about science stuff this time not just scripteds like we did last time and um coming up we got a video by trey eventually eventually yeah it's, and, um,
1: it's on its way i'm on layer yeah. four now
0: and eventually we'll get our plastic pleases or podcast videos up on youtube eventually yes, that is and the
1: priority after i put this video yep
0: <laughs> and then we're um, gonna do our little commentary prince of egypt oh yeah yeah and uh that'll be really fun so we got more stuff coming from us and uh, check out stuff on stuff and happy holidays to those who celebrate i'm an atheist but i still celebrate christmas because uh i don't know i grew up in this culture and i like it so I'm just gonna do it anyway so merry christmas everyone merry christmas Boom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay.